This is off topic, but I went to a uh, a bookstore. One of the local bookstores recently opened up a cafe section. Yeah. So I've been trying to write there instead of at home because it it kind of helps my brain. Um, and I and I also have been in talks with the owner of this bookstore to do a book signing for a little while. Ooh. So I went and I sit down to to type and I get accosted by the owner almost immediately. Naturally. And he's like, hey, about that book signing. And I'm like, I knew this was going to happen. So we figured out a date or whatever. And then he's like, also about the horror podcast. And I don't think I told him about the horror podcast. Oh, no. So it must have oh, been shit. Noah. No. <laughs> Who told him? Who Somebody told else him? told him. It was me. He was like, he was like, if you ever want another local guest. And then he said, my wife would probably want to do it because he doesn't watch horror. That's okay. Firstly, that's so funny that he immediately did not volunteer himself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he said that if we did books and I was like, that's when I posted in the server about my, uh, it was my server. Sorry. I posted in a server about, um, a book rec that I got from him because I was like, we do books once a year. So Mm -hmm. if when I know what the next book is, maybe I'll stop by and be like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to read this book we picked out and talk about it with us? But yeah, he, he was like, I was like, what are you, how did you find out about this? Yeah. What? Maggie told him? That's the it's only possible. thing I can think. Uh, What's his wife's name? I don't remember. <laughs> I just I just had this really funny thought of the hypothetical that Emma's unable to get the book this year or something like that. Like some freak situation where we have to do a last minute sub in, the book's but not his wife is also named Emma. <laughs> and it would be like... Today with me is blah, 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 and Emma, and then a totally new voice chimes in, and that just would be very funny. <laughs> that would be very funny. I agree. If if all the stars align, we should still do that bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. But, like, with you there as well, it's just that she answers first. Yeah. I would love that. That'd be perfect. But that's not the point of today. The point of today is I, I don't know if it's his wife. Hold on. I don't know if it's wife or if it's just his, the co-owner. I don't know if they're married. Uh, I do know her name's Lauren, though. So. That's oh, not Emma. Is her middle Damn. name Emma, maybe? Could you I'll change ask it? Next, time I'm, it? next time I'm in the coffee shop, I'll ask the her. The bit really only works if her name going is on. Emma is the thing, you know? There's yeah. so much going on yeah, We had a lot yeah. in this in world. her name being Emma thing, so... Yeah, I, she I could not in it, not in it actually being the wife of the person I said it was the wife. No one gives a yeah. fuck about that part. That yeah, was we, that was you making that a was mistake. Irrelevant details. A guffaw, a guffaw, a, a, a hello, if me. you will. Uh, well, yeah. Anyway, um, speaking, uh, ghouls. Wait, Are we ghouls? Speaking of books, oh. I am happy to announce I'm no longer the most illiterate member of the podcast again. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> um, oh. Because I I finished the forgotten lyric, uh, yes. and so now I've read more books than Noah. <laughs> <laughs> Great news. I have a book I'm halfway through that I dropped to read the first two books of the Hannibal Lecter shit. <laughs> and now I have to finish it so that you I can You have to win finish again. that book and then you have to read Murder on the Orient Express. Be- oh, I have to read Because that. I'm making read him Murder read it. On the Orient Express, Noah? Shut the fuck up. Come on, even I've read that. <laughs> see, I need him to read it because he wants to see it. A- <laughs> anyway, that's it- struck content. Anyway. Well, yeah, that's we're not going to talk about it when we see it. Yeah, I'll have I to see it. talk about it in the build-up, right? Like as a, this is a movie we might go see. Oh, I guess that's kind of advertising, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, can, uh, endorsement certainly. Uh, hey, I'll, editing Jeff, I'm can you please just put a big that instead beep of the normal thing that I do, where I say I'm going to cut it and then I leave it in. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> no one wants to go see Redacted. <laughs> and I said that before he can see that, he has to read. You have to start redacted. No, the book doesn't have to be redacted. Everyone should read. Context uh, redacted. <laughs> yeah, but the, all we would just say is everyone should read the Murder on Murder on the Orient Express. And that's it. Yeah. No other context provided. I got some ghouls to gab. Noah has I ghouls. Got to ghouls. Gab. No one's got gab some ghouls. ghouls. I'm gabbing a ghoul. All right. Let's so go. firstly, um, there's this this longstanding beef between me and Jeff. Jeff may remember it as coming into the podcast, slapping a steaming turd on the table and saying, Noah, the autopsy of Jane Doe is the most five star movie out of or like five out of ten movie I've ever seen in my fucking life. Mm-hmm, Go fuck mm-hmm. yourself. Those were my exact words and sentiment. Yes. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> what do you mean? That was definitely a nine star movie. Uh oh. <laughs> and I said, no, that was a nine star Noah, which which means something. Yeah. I would like to. I watched the movie again. Okay. I watched it just the other day. Yeah, and what are your thoughts? And you know what? I actually watched three movies the other day. Wow. And one of the... All three we'll be talking about today. Okay. One of them was Alien. Oh my God, really? <laughs> but Whoa. Whoa. I, I watched The Autopsy too. of Jane Doe, and I still enjoy it. I think it's yeah. a good atmosphere piece. I do oh, sure. think... I, I I bumped it down. It's It took a step back from eight or, t- or nine or ten or whatever it was to an eight. Okay. It'll probably Only continue to tick down the more I watch. Well, here's the thing. I don't think it holds up on a rewatch. I think if I watch it again, it'll probably continue to tick down. Sure. But so watch it three more times. <laughs> and then I'll finally Keep be where it. Jeff believes it is. But no, I, I I like the atmosphere of it. And also the specifically morgues are still the thing that creep me out. So 100%. You know how it is. But that's okay. I don't give a fuck about the autopsy of Jane Doe, really, because I would actually much rather talk about one of the worst movies I've watched in a long time. Oh, worse than the Resident Evil movies? Okay, firstly, <laughs> hold the slander. The Resident <laughs> Evil movies are fun. They have a charm. There's they're a charm. not good, but there is a lot of fun to okay, be had Okay, but like them. you did spend several weeks just coming in every episode and being like, the Resident Evil movies are still terrible. Like One of them <laughs> okay, had so Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> Okay, That's but I true. said that with a smile on my face. Oh, right. true. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I say nothing with a smile on my face. Half a second. Let me just... Uh, Whoa. A Nightmare a on face. Elm Street reboot. The 2010 mm. Nightmare on Elm Street is the worst sack of shit I have watched <laughs> in a long time. Yeah? I've I, heard terrible things about I remember that. watching it. Yep. Like... <laughs> Emma, you haven't gotten super into the Elm Street movies yet, but you at least I've have an idea. I've watched three of them. That's exactly. what you're well, talking that's, about. Okay, that, I guess you are almost halfway. This is <laughs> Yeah. So, you know what it is people like about Freddy, right? Yeah. He's now a wisecracking a... son of a bitch. Oh, <laughs> oh, no, 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 Emma. No, no, that's completely wrong, because what I learned from the Nightmare Reboot is what people love about Freddy is that he is a convicted child predator. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite part about him, actually. You know, that's I always true. thought that was yeah. an under, under, understated part of his character. Yeah, every, yeah everyone's every favorite every part. Every movie that I watch, I'm always like, I just, I wish they would give more attention to the fact that Freddy is a convicted child predator, you know? <laughs> I, I wish exactly. that got more attention. Nothing like watching a child right? predator crack wise. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that the Nightmare on Elm Street 2010 uh, reboot really just dialed in on what it is that we like about perverted, nasty Freddy being a child predator. Good. Finally. The only thing funny. we liked about it. Did it no, start so, with him like being caught by Chris Hansen? That'd be good. I would have really preferred good. that. <laughs> Frankly, but then I would have preferred that. The twist is that, that Chris Hansen was just having a nightmare and Freddy showed up. <laughs> so, yeah. 
they decide to try and play this game in the movie where they're like, oh, what is, is, is he a predator or did the kids make it up and he was wrongfully killed? And then... Mm. Did the, it, well, hold the, up, I'm sorry. Did like, they, did they try to play that? <laughs> they did the yeah, they try of, to play hmm, that. Did those kids lie about? <laughs> yes, yes. The kids take Why? that about themselves. They're like, we were kids. What if we lied about it? And Wait, then they go what? to the and then yeah, yes. And then they go to Freddy's child den, and they're like, oh my god, this was all real. We didn't make it up at all. This is all real. He's actually evil. We didn't wrongfully kill him. And he's just trying to kill us because he's a nasty, perverted freak. Yeah, and I always like, side with the victims when it comes to child. Like, what? That's an <laughs> insane it, narrative twist. Like, yeah. Uh, and it's it's a weird, firstly, a really weird angle for them to decide to bank on. Very. Secondly, making Freddy an actual, like, because that's something that Wes Craven had toyed with the idea of and then decided, that's too much. And he pulled it back from child predator to child murderer, which yeah, that's so you might much think better. I like a child that, murderer way, way better. That's what I'm saying. You, you know, might, you might on paper not realize that there's a huge rift of a difference between murderer and the other one. Yeah, yeah. But the murderer just kills people. I watch a lot of movies with people Is that, that kill so people. Wrong, Jason really? and the Argonauts, <laughs> Michael Myers. We all know who kills people. Mm-hmm. Jason. <laughs> I thought the Argonauts did a little bit of that. I think the Argonauts did a good bit of it, but like the focus is really on Jason. But yeah, the, the, the Nightmare reboot is ass. The only good thing about it is there's some good dream sequences. Unironically, some really good dream sequences. But the movie is bad, the plot is bad, and the score. I have some like I watched this after watching score? Alien. And oh, one no. of nope, no, okay. couldn't Trent care Reznor. less because it's out. ass. <laughs> if it's Trent Reznor, I'll eat my hat. After <laughs> watching Alien, no, where it's not, no, there's it's no not, way it is. There's no Trent. way. No. I'd be so mad. Couldn't after be. watching Alien, which has a very sparse score that it uses very, very like tactfully, watching a movie about actual child predator Freddy Krueger that had a lay epic music soundtrack was insane whiplash hated it one uh i think i gave it one and a half on letterboxd just because the dream sequence the music is by and i know this man because um yeah i just I found it listen to a lot of soundtrack music but mm. uh the, he has one of the best names ever his name is steve jablonski oh love him what love a name, name. Yeah, I don't want to do a bad job. Because he scored a lot of other things. Like, he, he does have a pretty... Notably. He did Texas Chainsaw Massacre to the 2003 one. That, um, you know what? He'd stunt a bunch of Transformers stuff. The Friday the 13th reboot. Um, <laughs> Man, yeah, someone put a gun to his head and said, you got to reboot the, the soundtrack for every major horror Yeah, franchise. basically. <laughs> basically, Transformers exactly. soundtracks are and Transformers. Good. Oh, my God. He did Gears of War Oh, that's 3. why I know... Okay, so that's why I know Steve Jablonski is because um, there's a couple uh, fucking Linkin Park songs that were for the Transformers movies. Oh. And when on Spotify, it... It if it credits Steve Jablonski under the soundtrack version of those songs, yeah. So great divide. He did the uh, Amityville remake from two thousand five as well. He did really he really did just do all the horror remakes in the two thousands and the ten? Did did he do the Chucky TV show? Uh, no. Damn. No, because they actually care about that. I think. <laughs> Do you guys see season three of the Chucky TV show is going to be in the White House? 
Is it actually? Yeah, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Yeah, it is. I gotta catch up. Yeah, the plot is White House centered. I don't. That's all I know. Uh, He's also. I'm gonna give him a little bit of credit as well. He's also scored a a few video games. Um, Right. So notable the uh, Metal Gear Solid Two and Gears of War Two, The Sims Three. Yeah. Uh, And then obviously. He's got all the Transformers games. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's Steve Jablonski. He's having a good nice. career. Seems like he's probably making money. That's yeah. Cool. <laughs> but anyway. Noah, what other movie did you watch? Oh, it was that an Autopsy. That was it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Um, yeah? I can't talk about it yet. He, 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 he. <laughs> but maybe someone else should gab a ghoul first. Well, I've got, I've got a couple I'm of I'm twirling things. my hair. Um, one it's of true. them is uh, related to the movie that we are discussing today. Um, and actually, I did send it to everyone in this podcast, so I don't know how many of you also watched the Geeker's Alien documentary. Oh, no. Yeah. I didn't. It was really good. <laughs> I wasn't like banking soundtrack. on all of you watching it or anything, but I, mm-hmm. I thought you might be interested to watch it. It's only half an hour long. It's very, I think it's very fun. It's just this documentary that H.R. Giger directed about his work on making Alien. He made it while they were doing it. So it, it shows a lot of the process of like making the xenomorph and everything. It's very, very cool. I love it. I'm going to refer to it an awful lot over the course of the rest of the podcast. Uh, but I have I also... two questions. Whoa, oh, what's up? Once more of a statement. I did get to see the xenomorph suit and so did Noah because they have it at the Museum of Pop Culture very in cool. Seattle. Very cool. Um, two... Is it Giger? It is Giger, oh. yes. It is. Oh, disgusting. Okay, cool. I Giger. Thank you for letting me know before I made a fool it's of myself on Swiss. air. It's Swiss. Cre- so. It's like a creaky door yeah, name. That's part of the reason I mentioned it this early. I wanted to make sure that I got it out there I, early. Everyone has heard I me say it first. I appreciate that. Cool. Okay. We've set a benchmark, and now if we all are saying it wrong, it's because Jeff said it wrong first. I looked <laughs> it up very specifically. Lame, I learned how to read the like fucking international, uh, oh. um, like uh, phonetic alphabet that Wikipedia yeah. uses for all their pronunciation shit. Um, and I, I don't remember how to read it anymore, but it's Giger. <laughs> It's really worth learning how to read that, like to, to like parse those pronunciations. It is, yeah. Because like it's tricky, but once you get the hang of it, it like helps a lot. It's just that there's more symbols than I'm used to because mm. I learned how to read English and English has an impoverished <laughs> number of characters in it. Like, that's it. We have letters at home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the other movie that I watched, uh, which is like an actual movie movie and not a half hour documentary about building a monster, um, was a movie called From Beyond. I don't know it. It is an adaptation of a Lovecraft story, but mm. in the manner of an awful lot of Lovecraft adaptations that got made during the 80s, it's like super sexualized. Um, the movie comes across. Oh, yeah. It's got Barbara Crampton in it. It's the first thing I've ever watched that has her in it. And I'm, honestly, I think I might be becoming a Crampton head because you never I thought she was really good. No, I have not because I looked at it and I saw how the setting was changed from the way that the book is, and I decided not to watch it based on that. I just haven't come back around to it yet because I, have you I not really seen like the Lords original, of Salem. Um, what's up? Is she in that? She's in Lords. Yeah. Oh shit! Well, that makes sense. I had I actually really like Lords of Salem. It's probably my favorite Rob Zombie movie. God, she's in everything. She's in an awful lot of stuff. I'm discovering that I really like her, though. Uh, From Beyond (laughs) comes across in a couple of times as being, like, almost discount Hellraiser-ish in a couple of ways. 
which mm-hmm. I really would not expect because it came out like seven years before Hellraiser did, I think. But I'm pretty sure the Hellbound Heart was already out. And I think maybe an awful lot of that was just kind of stuff that was bouncing around for a lot of people at the time. I really enjoyed it, though. Probably not something I would suggest for the podcast for a number of reasons, but I think it's very fun. Worth checking out. Cool. Too horny for the podcast. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, the hell yeah wasn't to that. Anyway. <laughs> hell yeah. Too horny for hell the yeah, podcast. <laughs> I'm into that. <laughs> Anyone else got ghouls? I don't. I haven't watched I anything. I've been knee deep in writing mode. Oh, Jackson. Oh, Jackson. Oh. Ghoul to Gab. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, we last got a guest night, ghoul. I watched uh, the first episode of Midnight Mass. Yeah. Oh, that's dope. Honestly, yeah. honestly I got to say, not that scary. It's just about like a small town with some Catholics. It's fine. That's true. <laughs> that's pretty scary, though. That's the pretty scary. The point of the series is that Catholicism is just scarier than uh, you think. I don't know. Yeah. For one episode in, I'm I'm writing it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but definitely, you know, it's a horror series, so like the first episode isn't that strong in terms right, of the horror element. It's yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of establishment yeah. character introductions. But Mari and I watched it, and it was it was really good. Uh, we both liked it. Nice. Gonna watch some more. Um, yeah, and nice. because I'm a guest on the podcast, no one will ever know what I think about it. <laughs> that is kind yeah, of true, actually. I'll never check back in. To, to... I'm sure I'll like it. I've, heard it. I've never actually watched a Mike Flanagan anything. Oh, well, really? this is a really good yeah. introduction. Yeah. It, yeah, I would, I would definitely say this is his best. It's been on my list um, for a long time, like literally since it came out. It just hasn't happened for some reason. Yeah, probably because yeah. all of us were talking about it so much, and you value our opinions, I right? I mean, no, I don't know. <laughs> That's why it was on my list. Actually. Yeah, like you, you we, guys literally are the reason it was on my list. It. Yeah, I mean, actually, yeah. that's why it's yeah. on my list. Um, like everyone has cool. been like, I like this, and everyone whose like opinion I respect has been like, this is good, or directly you would like this, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, it's on. Yeah, and now it's, it's always finally... scary when people are like, you would like this. It's oh, like, when like well, three just... people separately tell you like something, Ooh. you're like, I, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> legally required mm-hmm. to like it now. Yeah, especially if the they're fall not of connected. House Usher, the fall of House Usher is supposed to come out in like a couple weeks too. I think October is going to be such a nightmare time to be a friend with me because uh, <laughs> <laughs> because like I'm going to be putting yeah well yeah <laughs> yeah it's scary it's a scary month so it's but this good year for a we also That's have scary. season two of our flag means death and oh. fall of House Usher at yeah. the same time yeah so you know, I'm sorry death, in advance uh, a scary thing. No, no, it's just it's very just, gay. It's I just really like it. Uh, okay. So it's <laughs> scary October if you're releases are kind of. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're 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 ghouls. We're, ghouls yeah, are do you ghouls. have any ghoul? Uh, <laughs> I've I've been watching Jujutsu Kaisen season two. It's oh scary. shit! Season two is out. Pretty I watched that shit. Oh yeah, I uh I'm, I just read the latest chapter of the manga today. It's, oh, it's, it's good. Yep. It's good. Yeah. I gotta yeah. start reading the manga yeah. for that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, the manga's really good. Honestly, there's a lot to... Yeah? Well, yeah, a lot, you know, a lot of things changing over time. Yeah, oh, but sure. Especially because it's so I, far I ahead know. of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's good. Yeah. We won't talk about that anymore. <laughs> Nothing's ever set in stone. Yeah. So how about Alien? <laughs> oh, sorry. That's a scary one. back to the Casual Obsession Horror Movie Podcast, the horror movie podcast where we talk about horror movies. I'm your host, Jeff. With me today are my hosts, Emma. Hi. Noah. Hey. Nina. 
Hi. And also our guest host for this week, Jackson. Hello. And we are talking about the movie Alien from 1979, directed by Ridley Scott and starring a fucking monster who's in, like just the one of the best designed aliens that I've ever seen. Maybe I'm just an H.R. Giger fan, but like, I think this thing's fucking great. But what's Jeff this movie over here about? Virtue signaling, knowing how to say the name. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I said before, I just wanted to make sure that I say it as much as I can early on, so everyone knows. What's this movie about, though? Actually, the movie Alien is about some space truckers who are bringing a comedically large amount of mineral ore back to Earth from an unknown location. And then their ship's computer wakes them from hypersleep a little bit too soon because there is what appears to be a distress signal coming from a nearby planet. And everything beyond that is spoilers. 34 million tons of raw mineral is far more than comedically large, by the way. It is an absurd amount. It is ridiculous. I can't even, that's like moving the planet. Not quite, but like. I mean, how much does a planet weigh on average? At least eight pounds. Frantic typing. Honestly, yeah, it's, it's bigger than be a bread box. At least yeah. as much as a small dog. At least, for sure. It's <laughs> the nice thing about moving things in zero gravity, though. You know, you don't need just give it a little tap and it just keeps oh, going. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. How are we? Is it eight? Is. Wait, hold on. This is a really good point. Why are we measuring this in tons? Tons and whose gravity exactly? This in is Earth the gravity, exact problem yeah, that I'm they probably do in trying to Google this. Yeah. Yeah, I think Earth How? gravity tonnage, or they might do. Uh, I mean, I think if you're going interstellar, you probably want to start doing like volume. Okay, okay, hold on. How many tons does the moon weigh, and would bringing that many minerals close to Earth cause a problem in the gravitational field? Firstly, (laughs) yes. I don't think they bring it all the way to Earth, though. I think they they probably ship little bits here and there, like truckloads. They got a couple Mm F-150s. So I I actually Um, do want to say a couple things right off the bat in regards to stuff, but go ahead, Jeff. uh, The amount that Earth weighs is um, 1300, uh, 13,170, followed by 21 <laughs> zeros. <laughs> okay. And okay, cool. I'm not going to run the math to see how many tons that is, but I think it's more than the uh, like yeah, double-digit millions yeah. that the thing is described as carrying. Yeah. yeah. I've proven yeah, my point, which is that Noah's a bitch who doesn't know numbers, and that's all I was really trying. I've been to saying do. that since day one. I, I yeah. know you have, yeah, honestly. Yeah. I don't know why I ever doubted you. Um, the, the moon weighs so many tons that rather than giving you a number, it gives you an equation. Um, and nice. when you try to solve the equation in Google, it gives you another equation. So that's a lot. We're learning a lot of things I'm today. a huge fan of when science bitches are like, we won't give you the answer. You have to work for it. Oh, psych, you got to work well, no, for the, that too. <laughs> the, the actual, the answer is the equation, you know, because there have to be adjustments yeah. made. Well, right. Yeah. There's no yeah. way to just give you a number the way that we're looking for. That's have to give you an idea. Us, okay. Really, anyway. So I want to say a couple things about this movie. Right off the bat, didn't realize this came out in 79. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What the yeah. heck? Oh, yeah. I thought it was um, in the 80s. It's going full yeah, King me Crimson. Too. It's, really? yeah. <laughs> it's like so much more modern on every single like facet than I would expect from a movie from 79. Mm. Um, from the storytelling to the like design work to the acting, everything is just like top notch. And then. The other thing that I you notice immediately just from that, like, you know, however many tons of raw mineral. One thing that I love that this movie does is it's just like as far as hard sci-fi and like sci-fi 
talk goes. Mm. It's like it does something that is great writing advice. If you don't have to name the thing, if it's not completely like important to the story, don't. Don't explain it unless it is crucial to the plot. Right. And they do that over and over again through this movie where something crops up and instead of getting bogged down in the descriptions of what's wrong with the ship or of what kind of mineral they're carrying or how certain like machines work or what the alien is even called or where it came from or what it is or any of or how it like birthed itself out of someone. It just happens in a way that makes enough sense. Yeah. And they're like, they totally trust you to just yeah. get it. Mm-hmm. Like there's a problem on the spaceship. Uh, the spaceship mechanics are fixing it. Don't worry about it. They're yeah. working on it. They're yeah. spaceship You're mechanics. Spaceship they know mechanic. how to fix the spaceship. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's that's how it should be. Yeah, it's just what, what they say, like low pressure in an intake. They must have lost a shield. They never explain what that actually means. Does it prevent the ship from working? It doesn't seem like it. But it like, just sucks, well, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's yeah they're trained. They're professionals. They're fixing it. What it's, are you talking about? It's so well written in that basically, the apart from one thing, which it's not even that big of a gripe, which is basically just their reaction to intelligent alien life existing. A little too and casual, everything, you think? A little too cash, I think. But for everything else, you can tell by their reaction to it how big of a deal this is within the world. Mm. Um which is like whether it be the ship or each other's behavior or whatever, they're they're always pretty much um, reacting realistically enough that it gives you a good idea of how bad the situation is. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, very very intricate storytelling from something from a movie from. Let me. I want to know which kind of Bond movie was coming out around that time because it was not as well done as, it as this. Wouldn't be Moonraker yet, would it? <clears throat> yeah, Moonraker came out after this. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, Star Wars it, came it, out. I'm presence. looking it up. Don't worry. So Moonraker that, was seventy-nine. Oh shit! Oh, yeah, it was oh my god! Okay. Compa- yeah. Holding these two movies up next to each other, no comparison. No, Alien looks god, great, great today. It looks amazing to this day. Alien like, watching still it. looks it good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the way that they use practical the effects, of, you know. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, it. Yeah, that's where it goes. You know, it's a horror they movie, built practical models effects. for absolutely everything as much as they possibly could. And I'm going to have yeah. plenty to talk about uh, with that when we get further into Spoiler Town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before, before we move on a, a step, I would just love to say on the ship design, because... One of the things Jeff is going to mention oh, yeah. is that uh, Gigert loves uh, what biomechanic. Biomechanical, that yeah, that's what he calls. Yeah, his biomechanical. That's why all of his stuff looks so like weird and is. also distinct. But I like the difference between the alien ship and the biomechanical design versus the space big rig that is just an ugly sack yep. of shit that yeah. doesn't even have lights. There's like emergency lights that run throughout the entire ship but the only spot that has well lit anything is like the food area yeah, yeah. and it's such a, a, small a big ship. part of that yeah mm. well it's it's huge but the the space well, exactly that the yeah. has to work in is so cramped and it's you know it's about capitalism right the way that so much of the movie is but we'll get to that later yeah an awful lot of the uh the big like clash in the design styles is because they had different teams of designers working on the human stuff versus the alien stuff Everything that's, that's non-human so in this that's movie so is designed by H.R. Giger, and all the human stuff was done by a group of other people, including concept artist Ron Cobb, who has a lot of very interesting ideas that went into his mm-hmm. designs. Once again, getting into that later, though. But what it we really want to talk about It a great right contrast now, when you're actually looking at the sets. Absolutely, it does. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Right, I, you can you can feel it just in the in the, yeah. the way that like the rooms are. 
It's great. Yeah. But before we get into that stuff, um, what was the uh, the critical reception for this movie like, Noah? Well, I got a couple of numbers to throw at you. Yeah. We got an 8.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Right. A 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. 89% on Metacritic. And for the third week in a row, or third episode in a row, a 4.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Hot damn. Nice. Actually wow. insane, by the way. Now, what's an all-time? You did... It is. It really is. Now you did. No, also I mean like mention, the 4.3. You did also <laughs> mention an Ebert earlier. Oh, I got an Ebert. I got an Ebert. What's yeah. Ebert got to say about this? Well, Ebert, Ebert, um, unsurprisingly, is a four out of four thumbs up. Uh, it, this yeah. is uh, from his 2003 review. All right, I just I just pulled the first uh, couple sentences here rather than pick and choose because unlike Seven and stuff like that, I think this is just a it's a good kickoff. Yeah. At its most fundamental level, Alien is a movie about things that can jump out of the dark and kill you. It shares a kinship with the shark in Jaws, Michael Myers in Halloween, and assorted spiders, snakes, tarantulas, and stalkers. Its most obvious influence is Howard Hanks' The Thing, 1951, uh, which was about a team on an isolated outpost who discovered a long dormant alien, bring it inside, or picked off one by one as it haunts the corridors. Look at that movie and you see Alien in Embryo. In another way, Ridley Scott's 1979 movie is a great original. It builds on the seminal opening shot of Star Wars 1977 with its vast ship in lonely interstellar space and sidesteps Lucas's space opera to tell a story in the genre of traditional hard science fiction. I love that. Yeah, That's I mean, really, well as always, well put and uh, I agree. Thanks, yeah. Raj. Yeah. Uh, but I also got a Twitter Brandon. We finally, finally have Twitter Brandon we got weighing enemy in again. Of the podcast What's Twitter, Twitter Brandon? Brandon coming back? Twitter Brandon oh, is just some okay. guy named Brandon from Noah's Twitter feed. <laughs> there's Twitter, like no, this is not this is not it's a little more. Okay, it's so there's a reason guy. that I followed Brandon in the first place. That is like um like a personal reason. So I'm not going to get into it on on this podcast because it doesn't make sense to. But the important thing about Brandon is he has caused a great deal of strife in my marriage because <laughs> Nina and I argue about whether Brandon is correct or incorrect about things, <laughs> which Brandon would hear this and go, I'm just a guy who's a janitor and writes about movies. I don't know why people do that. I didn't even know he was a janitor. I didn't even know. Man, he, was he alive works for a company I, I used to utilize. Look, I don't even have that much beef with Twitter Brandon. I just Anymore. think he's wrong about things sometimes. Right. And that's He let's is comedically he... wrong in things at times, yeah. Let's see what but, he feels about today. So um he moved away from rating movies unless they were like a, a knock it out of the park ten out of ten movie. Sure. <laughs> he doesn't give them a number rating anymore. And I didn't copy down whether or not he had rated this. Uh, at all, so I don't have a number for you. But uh, he says, rewatched for the first time in almost two decades, and hot take, it's still a masterpiece. Maybe the most <sighs> perfectly right. paced film ever made. Every single moment is wound perfectly. Hate that Sigourney was the same age as me when making this, distressing how cool she is. <laughs> Completely <laughs> forgot how stunning it is. Unreal how great it looks in 4K. Few blockbusters look this incredible now. Hmm. Um, I used to be an aliens is better than alien guy, but as of right now, I think I've flipped that opinion. So obsessed with the blue collar nature to everything too. The movie rules because they aren't astronauts or scientists, mostly, or badass space marines. They're space truckers hauling cargo that are totally out of their depth. Brilliant decision to every inch of the film. I hate to say nice. it, I agree with everything he Twitter said. Twitter Brandon <laughs> is on one, he's correct. 
Yeah, Brandon. He is correct. This yeah. is a. This it's is nice a, to see a, a win for Twitter Brandon again. I still, I, I, I ride a fine line on aliens is better than alien uh, discourse. They're so different it, movies. It's just it's any, any given week I can flip flop. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. they're so different but it's so like, good uh, and sequel. So like, yeah, well, it's like the conversation from the first has to happen. Terminator to T two, right? It's like you're yeah. going from this like very suspense and tension oriented, like slow moving, dark thing to just being an all out action movie, more or less. Well, like, in in my opinion, approach. that's that's kind of how you have to do it with something like these because yes. um, the horror only works as long as it's unknown. Like, even yeah. by the end of this movie, mm-hmm. we're bordering into action territory because we've learned enough about this thing and we know where it is enough in close quarters that that's all it can be. It can't mm-hmm. be just a horror anymore. And once you've crossed that threshold, it's really, really hard to take it back. So to just lean into it seems to definitely be the way to go. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, like... Uh, you know, visually, the the way that the movie spends so much time not showing you anything, and then by the time you've reached the end of the movie, it's like you've seen everything that you're going to see, and you can't just replay that right. whole sequence of events again in a second movie. No, because everyone work. already knows what it looks like. Yeah, and this is what Stranger Things does wrong, in my opinion, because Stranger mm. Things had that in the first season, and then they keep trying to recapture the horror feeling, and it's like you guys are basically an action adventure series now, and I need y'all to like, yeah, figure out what you're doing. Um, but yeah, boop boop boop. Uh, our ratings. What's How do our we feel about critical this movie? reception of this movie? <laughs> As the host, I'm going last. Ooh, host privilege, host privilege, yeah, all right. I can I can do what I want. <laughs> I mean, does the, I feel like as a guest, I might go first, because like, I'm here for a reason. It seems that you way. You are here yeah, for a reason, because I, I like we're an alien. Yeah. It's like an all-timer. Yeah. As I just said earlier, this is this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, it's easily top five, maybe even top three. Yeah. Um, Hell And sometimes, yeah. at periods in my life, I've said it's number one. You know, I think it's a, it's a fantastic movie. Yeah, it's a spot it deserves. Oh yeah. Well, if would you were you... to give it a number rating out of ten, yeah, what, what it's, it's, a ten, it's a ten for me. Honestly, it's, yeah. it's a ten. Mm-hmm. No yeah. holds barred. Like it, it gets mm-hmm. it all marks. Interesting. You know, not interesting. to not to hop on Jackson's coattails, but for me, it is also a ten. I'm sure that there's things that could be done better. I can't think of a like, single one of them. I couldn't name of them right now. I love every decision made in this movie, from the obtuse computer who is unwilling to help them. Uh, when the captain's like, "So, how? What do I do about this?" And the computer's like. Not enough info. It's like Classic that's mom we'll we'll get there, but it's one of my favorite things compared between Dallas and and Ripley is that mm. uh, she is better at SEO. She just goes in and she <laughs> she asks like better questions mm-hmm. and immediately gets the answer that she needs. Oh, it kills me. Um, ten out of ten. Yeah, yeah. Dallas is one of those guys that opens up his uh he opens up google chrome and he types and google in the top, into the types top google.com yep. and oh, then yeah. from there he googles youtube <laughs> oh yeah. a thousand percent yeah that was yeah. the type yeah. of guy to look that's up dallas the just auto is not only answer, does like, she have everything bookmarked. And he types the whole thing anyway like mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah that's dallas but yeah this movie is a 10 out of 10 for me i literally cannot think of a single thing that could be done better or differently that would make it. Yeah, it's, I really do agree uh, with uh, Brandon's take. I think this is a really perfectly paced movie. You don't notice how, because what is it? It's like a two hour movie. Yeah. Something like that. You don't notice how long it is because things do just keep like happening. 
And it's a strong enough aesthetic that it's made me want to get into more like sci-fi stuff again. Yeah. Where I'm just like, well, I'm really into this idea right now. What if I went out and watched Blade Runner or something? You know, I want more of this, but like specifically this like weird crusty space energy. You yeah, know? this era where mm. space where everything was made for real, so that everything looked real. I miss it. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's really, I like crusty space and not shiny space. Yeah. I yeah. also like um, hard buttons and switches sci-fi better than touchscreen oh, yeah. era sci-fi. Yeah, true. If you're sending 100%. someone to space, it makes more sense. It's less fallible. It's easier to replace and fix. Mm-hmm. That's why there's like a whole genre of retrofuturism. Yeah. Just because like the aesthetics are just so it's good there. and satisfying. Yeah. If yeah. I go to space and they don't give me a big set of switches to go click, 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 I don't want to go. <laughs> There's not panel say, after panel of just unlabeled lights that don't seem to signify anything at all. I don't want it. But they're buttons. <laughs> are they? <laughs> I love I about the alien. <laughs> Some of them might be. But the thing I love about alien is that like that's not how everything is. It's literally, yeah. yes, these people are truckers. This is like kind of a mm-hmm. piece of shit rig like it's, it's kind of yeah, like it's dingy. it's not it's obviously it's, it's good it's with the it's big company with right. but like it's this isn't yeah, this isn't lu- um, lush this isn't luxury luxury is back on earth luxury is yeah. in the in the space cruisers this is you're working mm-hmm. like you're yeah, a blue collar a little while ago oh yeah yeah like the, and the shit they take yeah I re- is fast yeah I, I rewatched that and they have a nice ship in that because they are a luxury travel ship peter whalen they are not a garbage hauling ship um, we have not got Emma's rating. We have I'm sorry, Emma. We, yes, I'm we've sorry. got some stuff we got to get through before we get into our more in-depth discussions like this. Yeah, I, I I feel like I need to clarify my rating, as I normally do. I expected this. So, Jackson, you may not know, um, I hate older movies and have really, really struggle with them. Um, I'm aware of it. It's a problem. I try my best to go into old movies when we do cover them with an open mind, but specifically 70s movies and like the bad audio quality just really bugs me. There's a couple of very bad dubs in this. Yeah, there's throughout the movie, the audio quality like bothers me a lot. Um, And despite that, and even though it's not a movie that personally just like grips me the entire way through and I'm not like incredibly invested the entire way through, but just everything is done so fucking well. Mm. Like all of the practical effects, all of the acting, just everything is perfectly done and amazingly well. So this is probably like the only time I'll ever do this where like it's hard for me to explain and that the audio and like a number of other things bothered me about the movie, but it's still like a 10 out of 10 movie. Hey, that's go. Oh, that's go. <laughs> okay. That's that so great. Okay. This is the oldest movie that we've ever gotten a rating above seven from Emma. So <laughs> probably. Yeah. I think it's new old though. You know, it's old, but it doesn't feel like it. That's the thing. It, the age doesn't the show. They, and mm-hmm. that's where it really is. Which like, is why it, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it really is like, and it's not like a joking metaphor, but it reminds me of the King Crimson album, The Court of King, Crimson King, because it's from 1969, but it doesn't sound like it. It doesn't and sound like it. And people kind of get yeah. this vibe of it's, 
it looks and feels almost modern. It doesn't. And if you watched it, you wouldn't say it's from 2013, 2014. Sure, no. Um, but you might say mid to late 80s. You might say maybe even 90s if you're ambitious enough. Yeah. Um, and so I think it, it really does hold up well because it gets like an extra decade of being ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah, really. yeah. And like people lump it in with like, you know, some of the other big like Halloween and like mm-hmm. that's a very similar era as well. But then people also will the throw in like year. Nightmare on Elm Street and like Friday the 13th. And those are those are a little later. It's a little bit later. Yeah. It's Friday the 13th wasn't for another year. Nightmare on Elm Street wasn't for another five. Yeah. It's a different decade. It's, you know? it's a different well, decade. changes things. Yeah. An- mm. Another thing that blew my mind while we watched this, speaking of it being old, is just that I've been watching a lot of 80s like fantasy movies. Yeah. And... All of those plot lines are incoherent. Um, <laughs> like they yeah, do not give they do not give a shit about you <laughs> yeah. as the viewer. So to watch and like everything just happens and new characters are added thirty seconds from the end and all of this stuff. Yeah, and they're then, just like this is Katana. She's got my back. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. This happens a lot. Um, specifically, I think the worst offenders were offenders were Willow and Legend. Both of those two just kind of chuck characters at you willy nilly, uh, Will Willow nilly even. But um, to this movie's older than both of those, mm-hmm. and it's so much like sharper it's insane it never anyway. once introduces a new character <laughs> no you get, you get your crew well, the title card limited. says okay we do get yeah uh-huh. <laughs> one, one new character, <laughs> one title character. character. <laughs> so you knew he was going to show up regardless you know like <laughs> that's true they okay. didn't call the movie Sigourney. Jeff. Or in any case, yeah, we got to get out of the rating segment, so I'm going to keep myself a little briefer than I normally am. Unsurprising to anyone, since I'm the one who picked this fucking movie, I think it's a 10. <laughs> what? Who could have seen Whoa. this coming? Tens all around. Tens all around. Is yeah. that a common occurrence here? Ten, ten, How ten. often does that happen? Oh, I think it's only happened once before. It's, this is yeah. only like the, the second, second time. Ha- the second time that it's happened, I think, actually. What yeah. did it happen for before? Well, and especially since we've got you as a guest, this is the greatest number of tents that we've ever had in an episode, actually. Wow. Yeah. 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 I think it was the wailing. Yeah, I think so. Because fair, yeah, I was no. very proud that I picked a movie that everybody loved and gave 10 well, out of 10. Well, obviously, we all gave Midnight Mass 10s, but, but it's a series, yeah, not a but movie. But that's a series. I want to so say I gave The Wailing like an 8 or a 9, though, actually. What? Maybe Midnight Mass I think I was, was the, the dissenting voice on The Wailing, largely just because I didn't understand it on the first watch. No, no, I think that you, by the end of the episode, had changed your mind. Oh, that that's true. Count. Yeah, yeah. It does. It does count. I count it. Okay, fine. Whatever. Don't take this from me. People who change their numbers frequently say that it counts. That means that it counts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're going to be a jerk about it, then I think this is a one out of ten. Fuck. Because it's number one in my heart. But we still have Jackson, so it's still four tens. That's still the most tens. That's at least 40. Yeah. Anyways, though, I mean, you know, there's obviously now we've talked a good bit about this movie, but like, is there like, uh, you know, content that we would want to warn our viewers about in this in this thing? Probably like one or two, right? A couple of things, right? The the whole like uh, forced impregnation, violent birth very, thing is very much. Yeah. It's kind of a big very one there. So. It's kind of the big thing yeah. for the movie. But mm-hmm. it happens on a man. It does. So that's a bit of a subversion. Yeah. Impreg warning, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, impreg warning. Mark <laughs> And that said, like the pregnancy, the pregnancy aspect of Did it. Did you just is say Mark like... Preger? <laughs> Markiplier fans beware. Uh, uh, like the uh, the pregnancy aspect of it is not like dwelt on by the movie at all. It's worth noting. No. 
It's just that, like, it, it, it kind of does happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't really, like, it, the, the dots connect. Yeah. Apart from that, it's kind of just, like, you know, d- dark, gritty stalking and such, which is, like, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. a horror movie, kind of what you might expect. A lot yeah. of slime. A lot of slime. There's some stuff that it's looks a little, goo action. a little gross. I, I... I don't know that this is worth making a whole content warning about, but if you're familiar with H.R. Giger's art and it bothers you, then you won't want to watch this movie. I could very easily imagine someone who, like, is just very bothered by his style because, like, it's, you know, it's weird. I love it, but, like, it's weird. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But, uh, it could be weird. Yeah, that's that's about all there is to really warn, warn about the movie other than, like, you know, I mean... We might want to warn people about how scary this movie might be. Well, I think we either might Nina or Noah had said something about the android. Oh, and a that, surprise I don't, I don't, android. Yeah, I don't know if that's like necessarily. Oh, right. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know More where that necessarily More the way he's uh, yeah. revealed as an android might be the scariest part. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. True. And that's also um, a little gross, but. But is it? Yeah, is I don't, it I don't like, know that it's necessarily like a, tr- a warning to. to yeah, place I don't know. In. Um, yeah. I mean, is it like, is it like scary though, Emma? Um, what a question! What a great question! I feel Lord. like the scariest parts of this movie are due to the audio quality because <laughs> this movie does do jump scares, and when it does a jump scare, it's just the most high pitched, <laughs> like yeah, fucking. <laughs> Like audio, Sting, yeah. kind of like sound. Yeah, it's like a, it's a the little weirdest fucking thing. Blown I out, hate distorted it. kind of sounding at times. A little, a little yeah. distorted and screechy. Yeah, and it makes me just kind of like wince each time because it's just uncomfortable. It's just an unpleasant and... sound more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So for that sound alone, I'm giving it a four out of ten. Scary. All right, that's the highest number we've gotten on recent episodes. I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, but what happens in the rest of this movie, Jeff? Well, Do you want to let us know? I can fill you in. As we go into our spoiler section. I can fill you in on a little bit of that. Um, <clears throat> reading from the Wikipedia plot synopsis. Whoa. The commercial space tug, Nostromo, is returning to Earth with a seven-member crew in stasis. Captain Dallas, Executive Officer Kane, Warrant Officer Ripley, Navigator Lambert, Science Officer Ash, and Engineers Parker and Brett. Detecting a transmission from a nearby moon, the ship's computer, Mother, awakens the crew. Per company policy requiring any potential distress signal be investigated, they land on the moon despite Parker's protests, sustaining damage from its atmosphere and its rocky landscape. The engineers stay on board for repairs while Dallas, Kane, and Lambert investigate the terrain. They discover the signal originates from a derelict alien ship and enter it, losing contact with the Nostromo. Ripley deciphers part of the transmission, determining it as a warning, but cannot relay the information to those on the derelict ship. Now, this right here that I've just said is almost the entire first third of the movie. It's told in a lot of very slow, kind of Kubricky shots, because there's an awful lot of 2001 A Space Odyssey influence in both the the shooting, the theming, and like some of the events of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. But there's like a, a significant sequence where they're all like waking up from the hypersleep and figuring out that they've been woken up too soon, they're nowhere near Earth, all of this. And... Uh, there's a good deal of characterization of all of our characters uh, over the course of that and, like, the landing sequence where we get, like, Parker and Brett discussing how they think that their pay is inadequate relative to everyone else's. And in the landing sequence, 
we get a great scene where we get to see everyone being really good at their jobs. And also, like, you know, it says the, the ship sustains a little damage. It's a tense scene, but the landing process is just so, like, natural to these guys because it's their job. They all look, like, a little bit bored the whole time they're doing it. I love it. Honestly, it kind of reminds me of... Um like how things will be because I, I work in like a like a live like kind of environment and like literally oh, right. sometimes things will be like really bad but you're just like you got to keep going like what are you gonna do whatever happens is gonna happen we're just like we know more or less what to do you just right keep clicking the buttons you gotta click freaking out doesn't help anything and it, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit <laughs> yeah uh all right so on the derelict ship they discover this absolutely immense um alien corpse that seems to have been dead for uh, quite some time. It's kind of like mummified by the atmosphere around it. And it's got this like bursted out kind of hole in its chest and they can't figure out what would have caused that. It looks like he exploded from the inside. And why is he growing out of his chair and other such questions? Um, So back to the synopsis here. Meanwhile, Kane discovers a chamber containing hundreds of large egg-like objects. When he touches one, a creature springs out, penetrates his helmet, and attaches itself to his face. Dallas and Lambert carry the unconscious Kane back to the Nostromo, as the acting senior officer Ripley refuses to let them board, citing quarantine regulations. But Ash, the science officer, overrides her decision and lets them inside. Ash attempts to remove the creature from Kane's face, but stops when he discovers that its extremely corrosive acidic blood could hurt Kane and potentially damage the hull. It does actually burn through like three floors of the ship. It yeah, later it's, freely... it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty. They got a whole really, scene really where cool. they're like, you know, running, chasing down ladders and stuff, trying to get down to the next floor and find where it's dripping through. Very good sequence. Um, the creature, the facehugger, uh, later freely detaches from Kane's face and is found dead elsewhere in the room. The ship is partially repaired and the crew con- uh, prepares to continue their journey back to Earth. Kane awakens with some we- memory loss but seems to be otherwise unharmed. During a final crew meal before returning to stasis, he suddenly chokes and convulses. A small alien creature bursts from Kane's chest, killing him, and escapes into the ship with Ash dissuading the rest from killing it. After ejecting Kane's body out of an airlock, very unceremoniously, I might add, the crew attempts to locate the creature with tracking devices and capture it with nets, electric prods, and flamethrowers. Brett follows the crew's cat, Jones, into a landing leg compartment where the now fully grown alien attacks Brett and disappears with his body. It kind of drags him up into the air ducts. After a heated discussion, the crew decides that they have to chase it in so that they can use the air duct system to kind of, uh, you know, use the flamethrowers to chase it, kind of corral it into an airlock so that they can vent it out as well. Captain Dallas enters the ducts, but it ambushes and kills him. Lambert, realizing that the alien intends to kill the crew one by one, implores the others to abandon the ship and escape in its small shuttle, but Ripley, now in command, explains that it will not support four people and insists on continuing Dallas's plan of flushing the alien out and putting it out through an airlock. Accessing Mother, the computer, Ripley discovers that the company has secretly ordered Ash to return with the alien and to consider the crew as expendable. It turns out that uh, basically the company was always aware of this alien ship and part of the reason for their... uh, for for their their return trip to be getting sidetracked by it is that the company knew there was a creature there and wanted to have it returned 
and the crew's lives were just considered to be expendable. Ripley is understandably very angry about this. She confronts Ash, who tries to choke her to death. Parker intervenes and clubs Ash, knocking his head right off, revealing him to be an android, and some weird white fluid just starts shooting everywhere. It is actually not milk. It is colored water that they used as the prop. I thought for sure it would have been milk, but apparently it's not. You imagine mean, how like, bad that set yeah, was smelled. God, that, and that's the, the reason that, would be... that's the reason that they didn't actually, is they already ran into problems with the uh, the thing exploding out of cane. They did use Wait. some like real blood and animal guts to make that look also, as grody as it is, and it smelled terrible apparently. And what's the uh, what's the word? Have you heard like the the rumor? And I don't know if this is ever confirmed that the crew wasn't aware of the full extent of the scene that was. going I on. I was going to talk about this actually. There is. Do you want to wait on that, or do you want to? Go over it. I mean, since we've brought it up, I might as well. They're, they were partially aware of it. They were also aware that something was being held back from them. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like super surprised. It was just kind of like something dramatic is going to happen. And only like two people, I think, like two of the actors were aware. One was John Hurt, who plays Kane, the guy who gets exploded out of. And the other was Tom Fair. Skerritt, who plays Dallas. He just accidentally was present for a meeting where the scene was discussed. <laughs> And Ridley That's Scott so asked funny. him not to talk about it. <laughs> well, and if you think about it, that's kind of how the characters in, in the scene are. They know that they know something's, something's happening. Yeah. So it's like, it's not as though it ruins anything, right? But what they weren't aware of is that the blood was going to shoot everywhere. Like they saw that there were screens <laughs> set up and that everyone off camera had like raincoats on. So they knew something was happening, right? But they didn't know blood was getting shot directly onto them, so their reactions to that are mostly pretty genuine. But they did know that stuff was happening. Makes sense. Yeah. All right, anyways. Um, so Parker, Ripley, and Lambert uh, reactivate Ash's head. They kind of like plug it back in so that he can talk, but he can't do anything. Um, and they learn that he was assigned to ensure the creature's survival. He expresses admiration for the creature's uh, psychology, which is like, you know, uh, unhindered by conscience or morality. And he kind of taunts them a little bit about their chances of survival. So Ripley cuts off his power and Parker incinerates him with a flamethrower. <laughs> They're so mean to him. I'm going to be honest. So... I would do the same. I... Yeah. I liked that he expressed admiration for the alien not having a conscience because that implies that he has that one he feels and he bad. doesn't like it. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. I love that he so He deserves much. to feel bad. He's a piece of shit. Anyways. No. The remaining crew decides... <laughs> the remaining crew decides to self-destruct the Nostromo and escape in the shuttle, but then Parker and Lambert are ambushed and killed by the creature while they are gathering life support supplies. Ripley initiates the self-destruct sequence herself but finds the alien blocking her path to the shuttle she retreats and attempts unsuccessfully to abort the self-destruct with no further options she flees to the shuttle carrying jones the cat and narrowly escapes as the nostromo explodes but then as she prepares for stasis she discovers that the alien is on board having wedged itself into a narrow space so she puts on a spacesuit and uses some gas to flush the creature out of the corner it begins to approach her but before it it can attack, she opens the big-ass airlock door on the back of the shuttle and almost blasts it into space. It kind of catches itself on the door frame, and then she shoots it with a grappling hook. The airlock door begins to close as the alien flies out. The gun flies out of her hand, and the airlock door closes on, like, the cable. 
So the alien is kind of tethered to the back of the shuttle by this thing. It pulls itself into an engine exhaust and then Ripley turns on the engines and fries it to a crisp before blasting it away into deep space. So she records yeah. a final log entry and she gets into the stasis pod with Jones to prepare for the trip back to Earth. Roll credits. Roll credits. Does the Wikipedia say that? Roll credits? It does not. I added that. that I, I, I I had a little poetic license thrown. Yeah, nice add touch, a little nice flair. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I liked a little, it. little sprinkle of salt there, out. you know? <laughs> Just this once, though. Don't do it again. Oh, my bad. My bad. I'll uh, I'll be a little more conservative with my future Wikipedia synopses. <laughs> be a little more what? <laughs> Just include yeah, like a little like do. slur. In. <laughs> 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 uh. Uh, I want to talk about how the alien's jaws were made out of shredded condoms. Yeah, isn't that fucking cool? You can That's see so it happen cool. if you watch Giger's documentary. There's a scene where you watch them like cutting a condom apart and feeding it into like the sculpture of the alien's head, and then they just they they just dump KY jelly all over that son of a bitch. There's something okay. poetic. Yeah, about let's that, go. Though, right? there's, there's something poetic about the the force. The condoms and the jelly. The, okay. No. I'm fairly yeah. sure we it's start, very, very intentional. <laughs> with the penis shape of the head? Correct. Uh, can I talk yeah. about a, a couple design. things I found? Of course there's going to be dicks just everywhere, right? Like okay, so a couple things before we get into gushing about how good this movie is, which I will happily do. I want to talk about some unintentionally hilarious shit in oh, this movie. Oh, absolutely. Or intentionally, because there's not like a lack of intentional humor in the movie. Number one, the way... That the baby xenomorph streaks across the table. So it first so the noise it makes is always yeah. so funny to me. He just goes like, ee, like runs away. Yeah, it always reminds um, me of those um the uh, what basilisk lizards, the ones that run on water. The way they're just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it looks like. like. How does like evolution um, decide this was a good idea? Right? How is that the way that you run across water? It annoys it works, me, honestly. Yeah. If, like, it's possible to run on water, but you have to look that dumb the whole time? <laughs> Shit. But at what cost? Um, what a cruel number trick, two, by God. Anytime they do run into the alien, and he just goes, bah! <laughs> with his hands out. <laughs> it does look a little funny. Just in the like, couple bah! of, like, there, there's, like, literally, I think, like, two shots where you get to see yeah. the xenomorph and you think to yourself, that is a man in a rubber suit. And both times it's <laughs> okay. when he's doing that exact thing with his hands. Can I talk about the man in the rubber suit 100% though? 100% we this can is... talk about the man in the rubber so, suit. So I did not, I had seen the suit and I know how big the suit is. Yeah. And we know that I am a huge Doug Jones fan over here. Right. And I and I, I like creature actors. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I never looked up the man who played the xenomorph before. He is... He's like Beautiful. seven he's feet him. tall, he's and an, also he's yeah, he's, fucking look at him. He oh is my god, a looker, yeah. and he is very, very tall. Um, Literally so, like six eleven, I think. Yeah, <laughs> like huge. Uh, um, his name is Bolaji Badejo. I don't yes. know if I'm pronouncing that one correctly. Well, we may never know unless someone corrects us. In which case, please do. If that was wrong, in which case, or tell us it was right be, if it was. It's gonna be so hard to correct you on that because what are they gonna do? Type it out. We already saw it typed out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Discord Discord does voice messages now, which is a, a horror in of itself. I will not listen to them. I don't. I have a. I will not listen to them. Um. But yeah, that's uh like. 
there are a couple shots where you're like, that looks like a man in a suit. Right. But you, like the man in the suit is six six ten or more. So like, yeah. even if it, that's a man in a suit, that's a really tall man in a suit, which is scary in its own way. Yeah, he's still a little um, bit bigger than you expect a dude to just be. Right, exactly. Uh, also, I just <laughs> looked up the pronunciation. I did it just a little bit wrong. The J's are harder. It's Balaji Badejo. Oh, okay, no. that makes sense. Um, but yeah, no, uh, that that was like the two funniest things to me was the little streak in man. Yeah, and also the fact that uh, Parker incinerates Ash. <laughs> Very funny to me. He's just mad he's just at like, him. <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of his fault directly. He's killing. Also, them, Ash, so like <laughs> Ash letting Ripley find out the purpose of the mission, and then just like sitting next to her while she reads it. Right, and the way he's going. just standing there in the room, like. <laughs> Like, yeah, check he's it like, out. I was, he's like, yeah, about that. And she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's like just humorous, not funny, but like. Mm -hmm. I love the I, scene I where Ripley like goes down to C deck to see Parker and Brett um, to try and like, uh, I don't know, have something to do with the repair process. It's never really quite clear. And they start, like, talking to her about the pay situation and stuff. And she more or less just says, shut up. You're going to get what's required of you, of, of, like, by law, you're going to get a full share because it's, like, a legal requirement. You're bitching about a problem you don't actually have. And she walks mm -hmm. away. And the whole time they've been shouting over these, like, you know, steam just shooting out of these valves oh, and yeah. pipes all over the hallway. And as soon as she walks away, Parker just reaches over, turns a valve, and it all stops. <laughs> <laughs> that was like some of the most, that's another thing I love about this movie. It's all the conversations feel like very realistic. They're just coworker, like, coworker. relationships, right? Coworker yeah. relationships. There's not a whole lot of the like movie dialogue sounding lines in any part of this movie because it's all just people talking to their coworkers. It's all just shit you say while you're working. And, and they're annoying that each other mind, on purpose, the way that you do with your coworkers. <laughs> How but, long is it going to take to fix this? 13 hours. It's going to take at least 25 yeah. hours to get this done. <laughs> How long will it really and take? Like, <laughs> with that in mind, it it makes the lackluster reaction to, intelli to potentially intelligent alien life make more sense because, one... These are truckers. And if you sometimes if you run into weird shit while you're on the job, you're just like, you're this too is annoyed fine. by it. I mean, Parker pretty much says it at the beginning of the movie, right? He's like, I yeah. don't want to investigate this. I want to go home and party. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah before, like, that's going to be night shifts problem. Yeah, they're just on the tail end of the longest shift of your fucking life. <laughs> and they well, want to just then, go home and be done. <laughs> and then you have Kane, who is the nosy one. And he's the one who dies. Uh -huh. Well, and the other thing, well. the other thing about <laughs> Kane is that he's like kind of telegraphed to be a kind of like main character early he's on. He's the first guy we see. He's the first yeah. guy to wake mm -hmm. up. He's the nosy one. He's the leader. Like he's he's the he's the one. And then. Um, and this is something like Nina's strong female character hours this is exactly made what for I was Ripley. About to start talking about um, yep. is Ripley is exactly the kind of character that when um, like earlier wave feminists used to talk about the like um, stop using the word bitch and bossy. Mm. This is Ripley was made for this because she is just oftentimes just bringing up like very 
common sense shit. Practical concerns. To the, yeah. to the established protocol, even. Like, yeah, right away just, being like, hey guys, quarantine because you had a contact with an alien life form us, that knocked you unconscious know. and you could kill everyone on board the ship. Yeah. She is, and like, like yeah. incredibly right. reasonably smart. Not to the point where you think, like, this character is a Mary Sue or whatever. She's literally just doing her job and she's a practical person. And yeah. that's, like, so, like, something that we get about her. And everyone's constantly talking about her behind her back. Yeah, they're like, acting like she's her. such a bitch. She says she's coming down and, to the lower deck to see Parker and Brett. And they're like, what the hell is she coming down here? She better not get in my way. <laughs> Yeah, and while I do feel like they would have acted that way if Dallas or Kane had come down as well, yeah. um, it's it it's like got to be intentional that this this character is is our end game, our final girl, so to speak. But go ahead, uh, yeah. Jeff. Well, and in that knowledge, it's kind of interesting that in the earlier parts of the movie, we don't really get very much from her for a while. It's several minutes. She's in several scenes before she gets any kind of a shot that's actually dedicated to her. I think her first like yeah. two spoken lines, she's off screen for them. She's off screen for a lot of her dialogue over the rest of the movie, actually. The movie doesn't spend a lot of its energy convincing you that she's the main character. It's just that no. she's the one left at the end. I love that so, personally. What she reminded me of, and, and I told Noah we were watching, in season 10 of Hell's Kitchen, there is a chef who just doesn't really like stir shit up doesn't really do anything like fucking remarkable or anything and then somehow she ends up being in the final two and it turns out like she's not just incredibly competent she's in a, a really strong leader and she's got a lot more going on than we were led to believe and now she's been the sous chef um on hell's kitchen for several several seasons huh? chef Chef Christina, my my favorite, the love of my life. But she like we're watching Ripley and that's who it is to me mm. is like just quiet, competent, um, not trying to be the center of attention or be the funny one, but getting the job fucking done. Yeah. Not the quiet word. I love her for that. that I would use There's for her. something to be said about somebody who knows how to mind their own damn business, you know? She mm. does she's quieter than in, a lot of the others. Well, she gets in exactly. people's faces when they're doing stupid things. Is and, the thing. and that's when it's her business. When yeah. it matters. When it starts you know, to when it's actually, actually important. Yeah. Like she's, she's not just being only... nosy. Mm -hmm. So early on, I, I watched this movie first a long, long time ago. Right. Um, to the point where I almost might as well have not seen it. Oh. Um, okay. Well, well, it's here's the thing. I watched a lot of stuff. Oh, sure. It, it all at once and a lot of things kind of blur together especially sci-fi uh yeah. and this is one of those that's like a classic it's the same thing with the dark knight i watched a lot of like the 2000 superhero movies at once right when i was getting into that genre and re-watching the dark knight i'm like oh this is the movie that that happens in uh, um yeah so early on into Alien, I'm like, one of these fuckers is a robot. I remember that. I don't remember if the crew knows that. I just remember that one of these fuckers is a robot. I totally thought, just based on the questions Ripley asks Ash, that she knew. Because her questions are very, yeah. why are yeah. you disobeying protocol? You're literally not able to do well, that he in a way. he very casually talks about how like he's still collating when she asks him for opinions on the information they've gained and stuff. And he talks about yeah. mother the same way. Dallas refers to Ash and mother as like almost a unit. He asks for their opinions and he says anything from you or mother as though they're like kind of the yeah. same thing. But then Parker is shocked when his head comes off and it turns out that he's an android. So yeah. I kind of got the impression that like maybe some of them were aware, but others were not. I don't know. 
Yeah. It's like a need to know kind of thing. Yeah. I don't think anyone knew is the thing. I think you or mother was because science a, officer, chief science officer. Sure. Yeah. You also use the computer. Do you have anything for me? Kind of thing. Yeah. Because I think the disobeyment of protocol question was literally just, you know, the chain of command here. Why did you risk True. getting in a lot of business trouble over that? Because also, like, the questions that were asked about him when Ripley was just like, hey, what's with Ash? Do you know this guy? And Dallas is like, no. <laughs> yeah, apparently they had and somebody else. And then, like, right before they yeah. shipped out, For several out, he got voyages. Replaced. Yeah. Yeah, like a regular a member guy. of the crew. It's yeah, so it's, well it's, done. There's the seeds of kind of just suspicion and discord just, in there. He's a little bit weird um, and cagey for an awful lot of the movie. So then by the time he betrays him, it's almost not even surprising. He doesn't real. The other thing is, I don't think he really ever fully lies to them in in like a very specific way. Mm. When especially to do with Kane, um, when they're like, "How's Kane doing?" He's always like, "Come look, come see for yourself." Right? Yeah. You know, he never says Kane is fine. Kane is doing better. He says, he "Come says, and come see," take a look. and lets them make their own judgments. Uh, so yeah. that he's completely like blameless and he very frequently is like just suggesting things that later turn (laughs) out to be true so it's clear that like he just already has some knowledge Mm-hmm. And it kind of fe- like the movie also like given that he's an android it, it future proofs itself from a lot of what like the viewer might be you know like you know the type of person who watches a movie in 20 minutes and they're like that's a plot hole right no, you haven't watched yeah. the movie yet. shut up like, like oh why would he override quarantine uh maybe because his directive from the company was to override the quarantine breach to allow the thing on the spaceship like why would kane touch the egg and he's a little curious and maybe the company knew that they had someone with an inquisitive and curious mind that wouldn't do the thing they should do in a situation like mm-hmm. this, and maybe that's why they chose this particular vessel to do this mission. Might be, like, yeah. A lot of it makes sense in hindsight when you look at it being orchestrated by the company. Yeah. Yeah. I like additionally they said fuck quarantine again when the guy wakes up and they're immediately like, yeah, yeah come out of the med bay and let's eat a meal. No yeah, let's celebrate. <laughs> They just go in, they're like, COVID's over. There's nothing to worry about. Well, because who would stop them at that point? Ash would be the only one with the, the, like, kind of protocol to stop them at that point. Uh And And he he doesn't want to. So, yeah, just let him out. He, oh, God. I love Ash as a character um, because this is something that, um, with my vague knowledge of the more recent sequels, I I, this comes back to my little thesis about this movie, which is that less is more. The reason mm-hmm. Ash works so well is because we don't know his personal feelings on the matter very much. We know he might have feelings based on how he talks about the alien. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what he's capable of emotionally. We don't know um, what robots in this world, like how, mm-hmm. how much you're able to program them. Androids. We don't know how well we're able to program them. Like what, how much are they able to make their own decisions? Like mm-hmm. all of this stuff. And you can kind of get that very special, like sweet spot with Ash that you kind of get as well with data and Star Trek of just human enough. But then when they're making decisions, sometimes they make a decision only a computer would make. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I love that. But then in more recent films with Michael Fassbender's character, they really want to get too touchy feely questions about life emotional. And they want to answer (laughs) all of these things. I know the scene. 
Yeah. This starts in the second one as well, right? With Lance Henriksen. Mm-hmm. I'd yeah, say that they're I British think... too. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Androids are British. Androids are British. Oh, but yeah. I think that Ash is a very special character. We don't get a mm, lot of him. Cool. But I think if we got much more of him, he wouldn't be as iconic of a of an android character as he is. And that's kind of how it is with all the characters as well, right? Is if we got too Genuinely, much more from yeah. any of them, they would kind of lose a lot of what makes them the way that they are. I love especially that's the, whole story. the amount that we yeah, get. That's... Well, yeah, really. I love especially, though, the amount that we get from Captain Dallas and from Brett. Because with Brett, mm-hmm. the scenes that we see him with the entire group early on, he's the one kind of spearheading the discussion about his and Parker's pay being inadequate. Mm-hmm. And after they get shut down so hard on all of that stuff, he's also kind of just very casually talking about the way that the corporation doesn't care about their lives and stuff like that. And that's why they don't get paid very good for the amount of work that they do and blah, blah, blah. And then in all the group scenes after that, did you catch this? He like just kind of like has shut down in talking to the rest of the crew. Well, they make fun of him They make fun of him for for, it. There's the one scene where all he says is, yeah. No matter what anyone says to him, and they're all like making fun of him as it happens, it goes gets all the way to the point where everyone's leaving the room, and he just goes, "Yeah," as he walks out behind everyone else. I love yeah, it. It's fair. I love it. He kind of resigns to the, the the fate of like realizing almost immediately, oh, company probably did this. Yeah, it's like, just uh, like yeah, like, nobody cares. If they are, like, uh, our lives are, you know. Yeah. Disposable to them. But then with Captain Dallas, what I really like is that he is always making these decisions that are, yeah, putting everyone else in danger. But when he sees something where, like, performing a specific task will very directly put the task performer in danger, he refuses to let anyone else take that. Do you notice that? Ripley volunteers to go mm-hmm. into the vents yeah. first, and he says, no, I'm going into the vents. Before that, when they put together the away team to go investigate the derelict, He's the first one to be putting on his spacesuit, and it's just a matter of who else is going with him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I kind of like. And at the time, uh, Tom Skerritt was much more developed and like had much more of an acting history as like like a, a an established actor. Yeah, and so it was kind of like a no brainer to people watching the film for the first time. Oh, yeah, clearly this is the lead guy. Yeah, between he's him taking and Kane, charge, he's kind of like one yeah. of these two guys. And Sigourney Weaver was and like Kane an unknown gets sick at and the you're time. Like, oh, this guy. Yeah. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. w- and once the chestburster scene happens, they're like, oh, yeah, Dallas, he's taking charge. Right. He's, he's going to the vents first, and it, it's kind of like, it's, it's cool that they, they took a really hard turn. Yeah. Oh, God, Ripley. I like it a lot. Ah, Ripley. Oh, so, Ripley. can I say something about Sigourney Weaver really quick? We're going to say Isn't an awful nice? lot of things about Sigourney Weaver today, I think. <laughs> okay, so Sigourney Weaver is very pretty. Yes, um, Also... <laughs> She, she, it's really funny that she and John Hurt are not very far apart in age at all. But if you look at pictures of the two of them from now, it's incredible. Well, John Hurt's <laughs> dead now. That's not a fair comparison. Right, 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 right. If you look at the pictures. John the Hurt t- looks like shit. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, if yeah, you look like at the two of them. Back then and more recently, he, even in the movie, he looks way older than she does. Yeah, yeah. She's aged very gracefully. I thought she was in oh, her yeah. 60s. See, that's the she thing. The not. thing that I am always saying about Sigourney Weaver is that, like, no matter what part of her career you catch her in, she is always the most beautiful that you have ever seen her. Ha-ha. It's weird. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> so I get giddy about Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> She's great. Um, it's wild to me. Like, we have talked a lot about other movies where you're like, oh, this actor was actually being considered for X role or whatever. Mm, yeah. But like, 
For Ripley, it was between Sigourney Weaver and Meryl Streep. Yeah. Which oh, is shit, really? Wild. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't, it specifically didn't go to Meryl Streep because, like, her partner died at the time and she was mourning her. That sucks. Or mourning him. And I, man, Emma, you can't just slip slip by Meryl Streep into a conversation like that. (laughs) (laughs) I got so excited for no reason. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, That would have been so interesting because that, can you imagine action Meryl Streep for the, the, or Sigourney Weaver in Devil Wears Prada? Like, what if we just Uh, flipped those? I can't imagine Meryl Streep in Aliens. It just doesn't, it doesn't click. The sequels wouldn't have ever happened. Meryl Streep would have been recast in Aliens. She's too, she's too regal. Sigourney Weaver is classy, but she has like, I believe she could beat the shit out of me. That's like the. Sometimes that's, I would let her be the shit. I would let her. That's the blue collar trucker vibe, you know. It really, really, mm, it is. Yeah. Okay, so you want to hear something else about the casting of this movie, though, because I think this is a very important thing to talk about with this movie. Is when it was written. This movie was written uh, partly, largely by Dan O'Bannon, who's the same guy who later went on to write Return of the Living Dead, which is a very fun and very stupid movie. Um, when he and the other writer were putting the script together, the script was actually written genderlessly. There were no gender-specific pronouns, and the characters only had surnames. And given that that was the writing environment, I think it's especially hilarious that the cat's name is Jones. Um, But, uh, yeah, so apparently neither of the two of them had ever considered casting Ripley as a woman specifically, but they wanted every casting to be open to just whoever was going to be the right choice. Part of the thinking. You know, if they being, had an orange cat in mind, it in makes sense 70s, that that would be the only gendered name. In the late seventies, that's insane. Because that's, right. that's how I like. Right? I like writing stuff like that now. And reg- I've talked about this in regards to sexuality. Sure. I don't. I all characters are by until they prove to me as the writer. Otherwise, um, like if a character just doesn't have chemistry with the opposite sex i guess they're just straight gay um but like that's something that like feels so freeing as a writer and to think of them doing that in right. the 70s is okay and of course it working the way that See, it and is this so is, interesting this is a thing where i think um it's relevant also to look at the processes of uh putting together like the various star trek series and stuff because, like, I know Next Generation came out, like, way, way after this, but I think the the thinking is relevant to mention. When they cast Patrick Stewart as Picard, right, uh, it was a little bit criticized by a couple of people who went to, like, Gene Roddenberry and basically said, this is a little odd. Don't you think that, um, you know, by the 24th century, they might have, like, cured baldness? Why would you hire a bald guy? And his answer to this was, don't you think that by the 24th century, people won't care about stuff like that anymore? Get so the ass. thinking going into Alien, I think, was surely by the year 2122 when this takes place, we will have run out of misogyny by then, right? But capitalism will be unaltered. <laughs> this is so true. And also, again, like even written genderlessly, just with the like, there is a familiarness as like women in the workplace vibes oh, yeah. to how Ripley is treated, whether or not it's like written genderlessly. The misogyny that's there is subtle and familiar and believable for where we might be, where a woman can be third in command on this trucker ship, but people are still going to be like, wow, what a bitch. But also like, I don't think anybody ever actually calls her a bitch. 
the entire no, movie. No, no, they don't. They don't hit and her if they with do, anything. It's, it's never attitude. because of like her being a woman. Right. Yeah. Like, I right. I don't think they anybody. Don't want to work. I don't think anybody does at all, though. Even when Brett and Parker are like very actively complaining about the threat of her presence, they don't say that. They just say, "What's she doing coming down here? She'd better not get in my way." Stuff that you could be Which, saying about anybody. Yeah, right. it's more of a corporate thing that they're upset with. Exactly. Now, yeah. I will. I will say though, I fully agree with that. Um, I do think that those things are the kind of things that guys will say in the workplace sure, yes. to then use as an excuse of I wasn't being misogynistic. I would have said that about anybody. Hundred um, percent. But I think in this case, it it's it's not intentional. It just ends up working that way yeah. specifically because of like how it feels like that would happen to anyone. It ends it ends up being really interesting as well because that's um, someone once told me that they had never read women written the way that I write them and I don't think I don't think that's necessarily because I do anything differently I just think that's because a lot of the time when women are being written it's with the big woman lens mm, over them yep 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 and when you're just writing a person um if you could imagine you know such a the thing. <laughs> the differences can still be there in in meaningful ways you know like it, it that the gendered like society we live in can still affect the character in it's in very specific ways but the character can still like just not be a quote-unquote like strong female character mm -hmm. in like the bad way like ripley yeah. and um and the other female character on board who is the the anxious one tm um lambert oh that lambert yeah she also doesn't feel like she was written as the woman character you know like she, because she wasn't because they weren't right. because they were written gender neutral yeah. and that makes their characters so much more believable i remembered a thing i was gonna say but i've been talking a lot so i'll let you guys go well i mean like in terms of like uh lambert being like the anxious one like i i feel like you can kind of track the survivability of each member of the nostromo crew in order of like not how good they are at staying cool under pressure necessarily, but how willing they are to, like, just kind of keep rolling when things happen. You know, like, the reason Ripley survives all the way to the end is largely luck just because she wasn't the one in XYZ situations where people died, right? But also because she never pauses in between doing things. She's always got the next thing that should be done just in her head and she goes and she does it even all the way to the end when she's in the shuttle and she has to start singing to herself to try and like force herself to just keep moving. She still knows exactly what to do next. There's no planning pause. She goes directly to hide in that closet because that's where the space suits are. She's so smart. She always and this knows is like, the next move. Yeah. It's apparent through the whole, if she went in the vents instead of Dallas, she would not have died there because she would have like been, she would have been asking clarifying questions of Lambert uh -huh. instead of charging ahead. So related to um, Ripley kind of like singing towards the end, just to kind of like oh, get yeah. herself to keep moving forward. That was like something that Sigourney Weaver came up Her with idea. and the producers hated because the rights to the song were so fucking expensive. <laughs> it's oh my God. really fucking funny. Yeah. That's so we were, good. We were talking um, last episode about Seven and how it seemed like there were a lot of people involved in the project who really, really cared about making sure it was all it could be. This is definitely yeah. another one of those. Um, although yeah. there's this really funny thing that I ran into where if you, literally if you just go to the IMDb trivia and scroll for a minute, 
a really interesting narrative will begin to take form. And this narrative is Ridley Scott and his repeatedly foiled attempts to ruin the movie. <laughs> it seems yeah. like he was having a lot of ideas that would not have improved the movie at all. And repeatedly, repeatedly, he was just getting shut oh. down by people with more power who told him he wasn't allowed to do his idea. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. respectfully to the guy who made the movie, right? Um, you see Prometheus, and yeah, there's a whole see. lot of people that talk about that, <laughs> exactly. too. And a lot of the things people hate are specifically things Ridley Scott would not back down specifically on. Specifically stuff but that they he had came up another with option. for this one. And that he got and shut everyone down who's on. heard the other option, people are like, that's way better. But like um, direct alien connection. He was trying to keep Prometheus separate, right? right? And he's just like, no, no, it's better to keep it totally separate. And everyone hated that because everyone's like, how is this connected? We don't understand how this is connected. This is this could be better. Mm. He's just not. Sometimes he's not he's great at what he does. He's, he's, but he's good at doing the directing part, exactly. right? Because there's a lot of it great feels... performances, great shots and shit. He did a lot of the camera work in this himself, actually. But he's just not a good dude for story and character things. No. It <laughs> seems like he's not. It feels very George Lucas core, which is very uh -huh. ironic. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was going to bring that Sci -fi up. Sci-fi directors that <laughs> <do> you like. <laughs> yeah, there are so many like really amazing franchises that started off with like directors and creatives who did an amazing job because they had a team around them that would tell them like that's too ridiculous you cannot do uh -huh. that um yeah. but then as these like franchises became so huge they were like oh i'll i'll hail the great creator and they get this kind of deification status of like oh they can do no wrong and, and then, then they're James allowed Cameron to do whatever Avatar the fuck they want and <laughs> yeah because <laughs> like casting directors don't get their name on the box yeah yeah, yeah. here's a, here's the thing though because um like the other thing is your head's got to get bigger when you're be when you're succeeding as much as like George Lucas, right? Because yeah. I currently I keep myself in check on that. I don't have enough constant feedback to help keep me in check on um on whether or not things are ridiculous, but I will rewrite scenes and tone things back pretty frequently because of like marketability or because of just like keeping things consistent even if a scene is fun, it's the whole kill your darlings thing. But if my books continue to sell and people start praising some of the wilder things that I did as being genius, mm -hmm. I might stop listening to myself when I start being like, is this too wild? I'll start being like, no, everyone will love it. I'm a genius. <laughs> Classic <laughs> yeah, but, but we see where yeah. that goes, though, you know? Exactly. It, and it you goes see where from that being goes, like this like, cool, mysterious space jockey in the spaceship to being like, Oh, it's just like 10 foot tall guys that are weirdly white. Yeah. It's literally Noah and I were Great talking job. about this mm -hmm. because um because of you actually. Because <laughs> of me? Well, yeah. <laughs> I quoted you while we were talking about this. I'm like Jackson hates <laughs> that the space jockey's just a 10 foot tall white bald guy. I hate it. Of, it's bad. I want to see myself cool. in a movie. <laughs> so <laughs> can just um, watch science. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so R.E. Uh, Giger and the space jockey, though. Yeah. Um, yes. And less is more. Uh -huh. um, the fact that that's, God, those environments. I want to 
bathe in that. I am. Oh, you gotta watch you. the so documentary. I don't know if you want to like bathe to watch in it. the documentary. You know it does so seem like bathing in a little bit of jelly. It looks, in it. It looks wet in there. Somewhere. I don't know. I'll it take a jelly bath. I'll take a little jelly bath. Like I've had like the lush jelly bombs before, and they're pretty nice. But I think there's a little. I think there's a line. It probably smells a little icky. <laughs> it looks like it smells. I feel like it just smells like petroleum. It just smells like Vaseline in there. It's wild. The space jockey prop is 26 feet tall, which I love. It is huge. Also, I don't know how I didn't connect that the big telescope is a giant penis until I watched (laughs) that documentary. Yeah. There was just something about it in the movie where I didn't get the angle just right. But when you watch the that little documentary bit, it's like, oh, that's a dick and ball. That's geeker for you. So (laughs) so this is God bless. I have been trying to Giger get. looks at the world. It's just made up of dick and ball. Literally, <laughs> it's like the like in in the uh, Van Gogh episode of Doctor Who, where he's like, "See the world through my eyes, Doctor," and the Doctor just looks and sees a bunch of dicks and balls. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like the two astronauts meme, like it's just dick and balls. <laughs> Always was. <laughs> um, but I've been trying uh, to get into some weirder yeah. weirder art. And well, tell you what, definitely. You follow me on Tumblr, so you're about to see a bunch of it. <laughs> Yay! Jeff's just gonna be sharing dick and balls, and be like, "No, I swear it's Giger." <laughs> it has already been happening today. So, <laughs> okay. But like the uh, about that space jockey prop, the studio actually didn't want to let them build that thing. They said it's too big. Cowards. They said people aren't mm-hmm. making movies with giant props like this anymore. This isn't a, a a thing that'll that'll do great because you know Hold on, that I just have to Google more, Jurassic Park right? really quick here. But then they <laughs> was like to it. Basically, like they managed to get the studio to be sold on it by referring to it as like the Cecil B. DeMille shot. For those of you who are familiar with that director, they said this is going to be the big ass, like very obviously expensive shot that clues the audience into the fact that the movie they're watching has had a lot of effort put into it. And that's the reason that that room is so big and that prop is so huge. And that they put children in spacesuits to make it look even bigger. They needed to have this shot wow you as much as possible. If you look real closely, actually. It worked. If you look closely at the spacesuits in. (laughs) (laughs) If you look closely at the spacesuits, you can actually see that like the proportions are off from how they are in other spacesuit shots that have like, you know, adult (laughs) actors in them. But uh, yeah, that's they they put as much effort into that shit as they could because they had to fight to have that scene in the movie. And dare I say, it's an incredibly important scene for how brief it is that we get to see it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's really cool. I read in the IMDb trivia page. Yeah. (laughs) um, The budget for this movie was doubled after they kind of like met with the producers and everybody and were showing kind of like the concept Uh art and like pieces and everything. And they were just so blown away by all of it that they were like, yeah, we're just going to double your budget. budget Like, how often does that fucking happen with movies? This is is something I've been thinking about in regards to um, another like present day movie that I watched recently that has a lot of practical effects. I know the answer is unions. I know mm-hmm. it is, but God, let's I go unions. I, let's go unions. Yeah. But um, I want practical effects back Rah. and I'm glad that the CG artists are unionizing for multiple reasons. Oh, God, First of yes. all, good for them. Jesus Christ, Secondly, yeah. um, 
that means that the obvious reason to choose CG over practical is now gone. Um, because that was the reason. And now maybe we can, we're already yeah. seeing kind of a resurgence with certain, certain movies that did really well in theaters. And I'm looking forward to, um, getting more of that. Hopefully now that there's both, um, we're hopefully seeing that it, people are seeing that that can be successful even in a modern era. Yeah. And also, um, with the union activity, my fingers are big crossed for more practical sets, mm -hmm. uh, specifically sets, not just creature design, but sets. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. this one uh, very, very particularly uses very large built sets for all of like the alien ship stuff, including actually the exterior shots. You'll notice you mm -hmm. get a couple different angles of the alien ship. That's because they built a big ass like 10, 15 foot model of that thing. I thought actually that it was like a matte painting or something. They do use matte paintings in this movie, but that's I not know what that I is. could see that they did. Oh I yeah, love matte when paintings. in the the scene where like Kane is coming down into the egg chamber, it's it's very clear that like they built one segment of that thing and the rest is all matte paintings, right? But like it's good enough that it looks good still. Matte paintings mm -hmm. are so they good. They are. I love seeing them. Um, I want ooh, more. Other stuff about that scene. Get this. The there's this like blue like laser field running through the mist yeah. above the eggs. Okay, the lasers that they used for that were borrowed. They were not originally going to have that for this scene, but those lasers were borrowed from the band The Who because they were <laughs> testing lasers in like an adjacent soundstage just like next door, and they just lent them the lasers to make the scene cooler. Also, um, the design of the egg itself, the way the opening at the top has the like kind of four little flaps, H.R. Uh, <clears throat> Giger's original design for the egg was rejected because everyone looked at it and they said, H.R., that is a vagina. You cannot put this <laughs> in the movie. And he said, okay, and he changed it to make it look less Yannick. That's the reason it Only looks the way it slightly. is. Only <laughs> slightly. <laughs> it still does, right? It's just, you, you know? Oh, you can... <laughs> I loved in the documentary where he's just like, uh, they were happy because we wouldn't be censored in Catholic countries, and I was happy because it still fit my vision. <laughs> uh, I love, in the documentary, through the whole thing, the way he talks about his specific creative vision for all this stuff. It's so cool. I don't, I'm going to try not to talk about it too much more, because it's already been a lot, but the thing is just yeah. so fucking cool. Go watch Peter's Alien. It's only half an hour long. <laughs> I'm going to watch it. Uh, can I say something yeah. about aliens as as a concept and like getting them to feel alien mm. i feel like this is something that we struggle with a lot and even this movie obviously did at points but like the idea that first of all hilarious the idea that aliens would somehow emulate human genitals is so funny um <laughs> secondly that's a really They're just a big fan Really? I mean, it's about one to a, one, though, you know? Not quite. No, so but that's impossible deniability. More like two to one. Yeah. That's a really good way to... Because what's the weirdest part of the human body? The butthole. The butthole. That, up there. The butthole is top, that's top five. Top five for sure. For sure. For but, sure. like, Anchor it's that team. whole area. And, yeah. and it's the thing that, like, is it's uncomfortable. It's, like... For you. And vulnerable. oftentimes... There's a level of vulnerability Vulnerable, yeah. Through. There's a there's a lot there that just kind of puts you off ill at ease in a very specific sense mm -hmm. that I think mm -hmm. is anything else. If you base animal aliens off of animals, you're like, oh, that's I'm I know what an animal is. Right. But yeah. you might know what a dick is. But do you want to? 
<laughs> but do you really? <laughs> do you really? This summer, uh, we're redefining like what of... it means to have a dick and balls. <laughs> I think the biological components of it are really important too when you're designing an alien because yeah. it has to fit in with what we know about how life develops. Mm-hmm. And like, even the things like the mm-hmm. pharyngeal jaws within the alien themselves are something that we've seen imitated here on Earth yep. in very niche circumstances. Eels. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Moray yeah. eel, literally just the moray eel, and some other types of like fish, but their their pharyngeal jaws are more of like a second set of teeth that exist within the gills. Right, it's like a second uh, they're, jaw. Yeah, they're weird. You can, like, the... you can like stick your. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. the creepy goblin sharks mm. where they oh, open yeah. their yeah, yeah, mouth yeah. and like the gums and like the entire mouth just yeah. like pops yeah. out. Yeah. Ugh. But like so, the morays actually have a second set of jaws that jaw. works to like yeah rip up the it's flesh yeah. while they hold it firm. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So um. That's going back to a movie we watched for the podcast a long time ago, um, Underwater, which we compared to oh, Alien yeah. at the time. Um, that's what fucking disappointed me so much about Underwater is that like when a lot of love goes into a story, you can tell. And mm-hmm. the specifically with creature design on this one, it's very similar to me bitching about fucking Bagul from Sinister yeah. versus The Grabber. It's the exact same kind yeah. of like dichotomy of i can tell that you wanted this to look cool but i can also tell that you did not give a shit yeah um yeah yeah whereas with this stuff it's like you don't even need to watch the documentary and listen to hr giger talk about how much he loves this thing and how excited he was to be able to make the xenomorph and have his vision come to life because like you look at it and you can tell Imagine, yeah, exactly. Like, that's the thing. It's like physically being in the same room as something that you conceptualized on that level and getting to see the amount of detail put into it. Um, It's like when fucking Killer Croc won best makeup at the fucking Oscars. It's so frustrating because it's like, it's why AI art so pervasive. Yeah, because people yeah. people see the swirlies in in Giger's art and the like the shapes, and they're like, I can mimic that, but they don't understand. They just don't get that these things are intentional. Yes. People think that artists just shit stuff out. Jeff and I had an at length conversation about this last oh, night. Oh, you have so absolutely no idea how again. much I was holding back last night because I was just the entire time biting my tongue to not rant at you about H.R. Giger because I was so excited about him in that moment as I am now. Get this about this man. This dude, his so his dad was a pharmacist and he wanted him to follow in his footsteps and be a pharmacist, but he said no. He went to college and studied architecture and industrial design for eight years. Oh, And he worked in the industrial design field as a professional. And that's one of the things that had him so excited about designing the facehugger specifically is because it was a design that like um, involved such a like clarity of intent and purpose while still Uh, being a creature. And he said specifically as an industrial designer, he loved the idea conceptually of putting that together. I love, I love the idea of like designing HR a creature working for like, like we're working in like an industrial setting and his boss is like, all right, uh, all right, Giger, this one's all, all you. You can make the uh, you can make the design on this one. He comes back. He's like, it's a house of meat. And he's like, oh, it's a house a of house meat. Of he's meat like, yeah, it's a meat house. And you're like, oh, it's a and what's meat this? house. Is this a work. chandelier hanging from the ceiling that's made of um, dicks? Is that what's going oh, on Oh, yeah. Here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And balls. Oh, yeah. And balls. <laughs> <laughs> the guy, man. I don't think this is a this is a like a this is a museum. You know that this is like a public 
art and space. he's just like yeah i think this is going to be a good environment for people to be appreciating the art you know they're going to walk in they're going to look around <laughs> i mean like this is See, made of meat isn't it <laughs> when you when you look at uh giger's illustration style um you can tell yeah. that he has an architecture background it looks like architectural like illustrations um yeah. Nothing like a good intentional artist with a clear vision to get you mad about the state of creativity these days, though. Right. I will say this happens oh every time. <laughs> every time that we we have like a clear artistic vision, I just get angrier about AI art. <laughs> because the things that the same people who want AI art love mm -hmm. are the are the things that they deny exist. Yeah. You know, yeah. of intentionality. And, and I think, again, when you have several different people who have intentionality working together, um, even if it is like, here's the intentionality with the alien design and like the set design, but you have the same thing in the writing of the characters and in the like world building of Ash's existence as an android and the company and how the company is using these people, you end up with something very special where all of the elements work together so well, specifically because with the aliens and with the human aspect, they're so at odds because you let two very different visions walk their course uh -huh. instead of Marvel where everything looks the fucking same. Always. It doesn't matter oh. if it's from a planet on the other side of this godforsaken galaxy standing next to an earth person. It's all the it's same. It's all the same. Yeah. And speaking of that uh, clarity of purpose in idea and stuff there's so much casual world building in the design of the nostromo we were talking about it earlier the way it's all like dingy and shitty and stuff here's just a very intentional design aspect of it that i am really wowed by is uh concept artist ron cobb designed a system corn? i don't believe so um he might have something to do with the salad but <laughs> oh, okay. uh, he designed a system of like um, symbols that you can see above or on every door in the Nostromo and every symbol has a very specific indication he's got a particular system that certain colors used in certain ways mean particular things there's like a specific symbol that indicates an airlock and it uses a lot of black to indicate depressurization. You can see a symbol with an upside down person to indicate a lack of gravity. Um, certain symbols use blue or red to indicate temperature changes, shit like this. And they are all over all of the doors and no attention is ever drawn to them, but it's there. And it really hammers in the like industrial workplace setting kind of aspect of it, right? Yeah, it gives you something to dive mm -hmm. into. Yeah. It gives you something to think about and figure out because that's not something that's laid out for you. And so you have to find it on your own. And there's there's a, you know, catharsis, I guess. Yeah. It feels nice to be like, ah, I figured out the doors. It's a reward because this is a, it's like a reward uh, because like you've got <laughs> toys. The story is there for the people who are just there to to see the story but to the people who really want to get immersed in the world there are rewards hidden for you or like right there for you just if you pay attention yeah <sighs> but i that's also like i think dream, that's that's, right? like, that's kind of the poison pill though too where that same immersion that's available in the first one is the exact problem with the fourth one and the oh, third yeah. and the seventh uh. one and it like that same level of like wow they really care they really built a lot becomes very quickly Wow, you really care. You really <laughs> put a lot. Put a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, mm -hmm. I haven't watched anything. You're past really the thinking. One. 
so i haven't seen all that oh yet, yeah but i and i think nina's um like thesis of less is more is so like apt when it comes to the fact that the first and second alien movie are phenomenal mm-hmm. because the first one really understands that less is more and the second one really understands that you can never put that less you can never put the alien back in the can you can never hide it again so you might as well say well sometimes more is more too right let's give it all we got yeah and that's where the second one shines because it's it's saying hey less was more but we ran out of less so put some more in yeah. there and it it works and, uh, that's... and then it doesn't work after that. <laughs> well, because yeah. then you right. have to just keep going more, keep going more. Yeah. And you, then you do... say, wait, remember that? The door thing? Put the door thing in there. And now there's a prison. And you're like, all right, all right, we're going. You do peak at some point. Yeah. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the other thing is like, this. it's kind of with, it's funny that J.J. Abrams took over Star Wars and he has this like mystery box thing because Lucas and uh, really Scott both seem to have the opposite where they're like, no mysteries, no mysteries, no boxes even. <laughs> I Everything wish we hadn't held back completely... at the times that we did. I want to go back and tell more. <laughs> yeah, We should exactly. take that space engineer's mask off right away. Put more Literally. black goo in there. I don't need more goo. <laughs> There's not enough black goo in the first Alien movie. I tell you, I wanted them to put black goo in there, and they, they didn't. They instead just lovingly crafted a world. Movies don't have enough goo anymore. <laughs> Sci-fi in general doesn't have enough goo. Modern sci-fi is too dry, you know? It's too dry. dry. It's been like this ever since Star Trek. Star Trek's very dry, but like, yeah, you you get it. (laughs) It's dry on purpose. Yeah. I really enjoy the Alien, uh, like, franchise in the world. But of course, this isn't about that. This is about, like, the actual, you know, first one. Right. And I think that one thing we didn't touch on directly, but it just shows in the way the conversation flowed, mm. is that the movie is called Alien, not Human. But the way that like the story is told focuses so much on the human characters that I think we didn't even discuss the xenomorph's physiology until 90 minutes in. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Like, we yeah. discussed the way the characters are built, the way the characters levy everything out, because it really is about them. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's kind of where like things can have the potential to go off the deep end. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah, and I do, like, I think it's because, again, the alien is is so well done that, like, and it this is true during the movie as well. Oh, yeah. None of the human mm-hmm. characters ever look at the camera and remark on what the alien looks like, even when they've seen oh, it, you know? There's don't. no... They just... <laughs> or... <laughs> I, I, I probably... I told the story before on uh, the, the, the off-the-air podcast oh, yeah. from from over yonder <laughs> um, but like the alien like the xenomorph specifically sticks out so much to me because it is literally the first memory i ever have of watching a movie was aliens like i there is not a, an earlier memory that is i'm sure it's not the first movie i watched but the first movie i have any memory of is aliens and so like that the creature sticks out to me so much because i was probably like five when i was like exposed to it in action when it was doing the whole like raw thing um <laughs> so it really uh it really sold me on it and like from a young age it existed as this like this like i don't know unfathomable evil so i kind of feel where the crew comes from because as like a four-year-old i was like i don't like that thing <laughs> and, and i'm sure if i was ripley in the storm i'd be like you know what i don't either so yeah, it, so it, like it sure. sticks out to me a lot because it as a child it was like the big bad for me before any other horror movie was was put on my radar which mm-hmm. is so interesting because especially in this movie, apart from some of the like kills near the end and then not even, the the gore is centered on the face hugger and the like the chest bursting scene, yeah. like yeah. the 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 horror of what the um 
this is oh, I'm gonna go back to the last voyage of the Demeter again. Oh. Um, but like, oh, the, the I want to see it. Really still. I haven't seen it, so movie. don't go off too much. The horror. It's, not, it's on my short list. Okay, okay, then I won't. I won't go off too much. But the horror of this movie that works so well, um, where maybe other movies didn't, is that this this the horror is then that people are disappearing. Should it not? Should it not be on my short list? It's worth watching. Yeah, but should it not be on my short list? Should it go it to like the medium list? It shouldn't be on the short list. Okay, it, so yeah. we're... <laughs> <laughs> I would not say don't watch it, but I, I would say don't be excited about it. Okay, exactly. got it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, like this movie does like the slasher things be- things better than s- the slashers usually do. Um, characters get picked off. And the fact that it, we're in an isolated space and we know that the thing is in there, like oh, there's the no es- escaping from it and the radar uh, they got the and beeps. the way that, come on. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. No, like that, that we don't need to see a ton of gore or like really excessive kills because the characters getting picked off is enough the it the alien's not scary because of what it can do to you necessarily just because it's scary because of the scenario Mm -hmm. it's so good yeah because literally in space no one can hear you scream wow in space no one can hear you scream but that's the thing is like obviously but in like 1979 you see that and you're like oh like oh i guess so that's well because like Like, nowadays it's so overplayed what Mm -hmm. kind of other place could you have that sense of utter isolation of like well, the sea, obviously. Right, which is like, what sea, underwater the desert, is. They're like, we'll just put it right. at the bottom of the ocean. Nobody can be there. And that, mm-hmm. would that honestly, for underwater, could have worked because that's true. Space almost doesn't feel, I think it's because it's underutilized. I think gravity of, of anything did the best job with the horror of what ca- space is capable of doing to you. Um, mm-hmm. But like the sea is equally that terrifying but other than those two things like where else are you going to be that isolated yeah yeah and i think the sea i mean yeah yeah, the sea's just it's scary (laughs) i think that like the there's a lot of understated elements of the sea and like one of them is that much like space a lot of the ocean is lifeless yeah there's a lot of ocean Mm -hmm. that is devoid of life like there's just nothing and worse still a lot of the places that are full of life it's not any kind of life that you would recognize oh yeah it doesn't work like we think it works yeah and you go to like these like remote patches you know you get away from any kind of stream and you're you can't even like catch a drift Uh uh-huh you're just on your own that's scary yeah Yeah. that's some good shit catch toss you right back out i love isolation horror so much i wish we got more of it that just wasn't just person who lives alone in the woods Mm. Because I like Hush. I like Gerald's game. I like Mike Flanagan as a person. But <laughs> I want more. Did Mike Flanagan more. do Gerald's game? That was Sam, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I wasn't a fan. No, don't worry. Neither we, neither were we, really. Yeah, we, we were <laughs> so then I have. So then I take it all back. I have seen a Mike Flanagan joint before. Have you seen? To be fair. I didn't like Have you seen it? No, Oculus? to be fair to you, that was also the first one I saw of his. And I have obviously come around. So he can redeem himself. Oh, I mean, I, th- I think Midnight Mass is on, is on track. Oh, yeah. So, his so television far, so stuff is where he really shines. Yeah. He needs the breathing room. Better than his. He yeah. needs Oculus hours. is good, though. <laughs> Oculus. Oh, Oculus. I've seen Oculus. Wait, okay. Yeah, so I, never mind. Well. I'm, I'm completely full of shit about Mike Flanagan. This is what happened to me. <laughs> well, this, is, filmography, this is the same Because thing. I thought his thing was the Netflix shows. I didn't know he had like a filmography of like yeah. feature-length films. Your experience with Mike <laughs> Flanagan saw Oculus is once. shaping up to be exactly the same as mine. Because I watched Oculus and Hush like as they came out just about. And then watched Midnight Mass yeah. and was like, oh, I've never watched a Mike Flanagan before. 
<laughs> I just Same thought they thing. were TV shows. I yeah. didn't know he. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I don't know. He also did Doctor Sleep. Yeah, I haven't seen Doctor Sleep. Okay. Oh, it's too fair. long. Right. It, so it is. I, long. <laughs> I have a. I have a great let's, question. Let's go. Okay. I have a great question uh, at Jeff. Oh. Same question at me from last week. Oh yeah. Oh right. Nina asked the question because oh. it was Nina's question. <laughs> <She's> kinda... <laughs> I have a question that, and I will direct this towards Jackson since, but Jackson kind of already answered it a little bit. Yeah. That's cool. Um, this the reason we're here discussing Alien for those who are just now joining us um, is because um, we're doing a little series on movies that got us into horror. Jeff, what do you think it is about Alien that left you kind of wanting more of of this kind of thing? All right, so um, the sci-fi of it definitely drew me in because I very much grew up as a Star Trek kid. Um, so I, I have always been very into sci-fi and particularly that older era of sci-fi. I really love, like I said earlier, um, hard switches and flashing lights and shit and like... The, the spacesuits are big and cumbersome and clumsy and kind of modeled after samurai armor, if you look closely, actually. Um, hmm. But, like, the the way that you, you get this, like, really long, uninhabitable planet sequence, you know, as they've all, like, suited up and they're trekking across the whatever fucking wasteland to get to the derelict ship, right? I, I love all that kind of stuff. It's a flavor of sci-fi that I absolutely love. And then in the way that it builds its darkness and its tension and its scare and the monster and everything, it also shapes up to be a flavor of horror that I really like. It combines all that with artistic directions that I really like because I love H.R. Giger's other work. Um, so like it's it's a huge combination of a bunch of things, more or less. And I Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I have a follow-up, which is, do you think that there are certain things about this movie that you can kind of trace to the kind of horror that you're into now, um, i.e. Giallos? Do you think that there's similarities? Between this and the Giallos, it's probably just the fact that the cinematography is so 70s. Ah, because mm -hmm. I love the way 70s stuff is shot very frequently, especially when it's in the particular somewhat more like art housey kind of flavor that you get in stuff like this where it's very like you know the a lot of the opening sequences where it's like showing you the ship without the crew in it and stuff it's all very kubricky mm -hmm. you know and that's that's a flavor of presentation that i am a good bit of a fan of and it's something i feel like i never see in more modern stuff it's one of the reasons i was so excited about those ending scenes in dr sleep right because then right, right. Mike took the, the movie back to the Overlook and he did all the real Kubricky looking stuff. And it's like, that's just shit that I enjoy, you know? Okay. Um, I think I kind of found um, some similarities in the storytelling of this, like, kind of being, like, stalking mystery solving. I could see it angle yeah. especially with ripley as a as a character I, I think that is definitely also a thing that i'm just yeah. into yeah um but yeah that's that's just a connection that i drew uh jackson what about you yeah. i don't know how much horror you you really watch outside of um and stuff yeah I mean, I've, I've watched a ton of horror movies but sure. uh i don't i don't actively uh, a bunch especially not in the summer summer is not a horror -y season for me oh sure fair uh, winter fall mm -hmm. i usually start consuming a lot more but um, so like, I'm kind of in like a, I'm, I'm kicking back into it with the midnight mass, but I've been, you know, out of a, on a horror hiatus for the summer as I usually am. Sure. Cause 
Mm-hmm. It just kind of goes in phase. It doesn't yeah. hit the same. It doesn't feel the same when it's sprayed outside no. still, and I have to go to bed at 7 p.m. anyway. Understandable. So, yeah. <laughs> That's um, super fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for me, honestly, like the, the biggest thing that really like stuck with me is that genuine. it is the first thing that ever stuck with me as far as a movie goes. Like I, I had never mm-hmm. in my life experienced a movie because again, I was four or five when I encountered it. I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, but like, yeah, there, I had never had an experience before where a movie stuck in my head or like scared me or made me feel like uncomfortable in a way. Mm-hmm. Again, I was probably too young to be seeing it, sure. but uh, <laughs> that did give it like a, an immense amount of like staying power with me mentally. Yeah. Uh, yeah to the and how where, like, nice for is years it? it came up how nice is it for you that the movie that scared you turned out to also just be one of the best movies of all time oh, great <laughs> it's, it's like a it's a major major key major keys. oh yeah um <laughs> major, major key alert huge win um that like it turned out that as an adult i was able to watch it and be like oh actually it's phenomenal that's cool good yeah. i wasn't scared of like Dougal or something you know <laughs> ruined forever i'm to think about instead i got alien and i'm like you know what like all <laughs> that's right a, that's a good childhood uh childhood standout yeah hell yeah all right do we have anything else we want to talk about or should i roll into noah's notes uh, Noah's i've notes. got a little bit more we like interior design stuff that i can wrap up just real quick if anyone isn't tired of listening to me talk about that yet <laughs> Wrap it up. So it's not color theory stuff. It's just the Purple. like the living areas of the Nostromo, right? Mm-hmm. They've, oh, I loved the living areas. Some could say they're, they're even so, dying areas. You might. Yeah, some could call them that. <laughs> dying areas and dining areas, eh? <laughs> um, <laughs> to the alien, these are the same thing. Um, the the. <laughs> The, tell them, though. the design of the living areas of the ship, I think, tie really well into the like capitalism themes of the movie, right? Like, it's very much about the way that the corporation doesn't give a shit about the crew, right? You die on the job, and the only funeral you get is maybe your coworkers say something about you as they unceremoniously yeet you from the airlock, and nobody ever hears from you. <laughs> that again. was another one. That yeah, hit it comes across a little bit funny, I but I, I think it's supposed to feel a little absurd. I think it's supposed to feel intentionally unceremonious and disrespectful to a point even, right? Um, and the mm-hmm. interior design of all the living areas in the ship are very much the same thing because it's like, yeah, this is some corporation's idea of what an acceptable break room looks like. It's all just these fucking, what, like plastic shrink wrap looking white walls. And yeah, you got shit to sit on. You got stuff that has your food in it. There's lights. What else do you want? Like... <laughs> you, you know the job description had generous dining package yeah involved. right <laughs> and they're constantly Sorry. bitching about the food and i love them for that yeah. um so the way that a lot of that stuff is designed though also like uh i mentioned hr giger designed everything that's not of human origin and that you know his style is kind of part of the reason it all looks the way that it does right in contrast to that the human stuff is all uh designed largely drawing on other human stuff i mentioned the spacesuits being kind of designed after samurai armor uh and that's kind of partially a reference to the fact that the company is called the whalen yutani corporation it's uh the name is supposed to just kind of indicate that it's like sort of jointly a british and also japanese company but then a lot of the interior design of the living areas of the ship draws from like ancient Egypt. That's why the shapes on the walls are the way that they are, the way that they sit in between all the doorways, the mm. reason the doorways are the shapes that they mm. are, and the reason that it's the hypersleep pyramids. chamber looks like a tomb. 
See, I knew the ancient Egyptians were involved in this alien stuff. I knew they had <laughs> Now, the one thing that they could have done to make this better is if the Nostromo was just shaped like a giant pyramid. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, instead it was shaped like a Russian Orthodox church. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, wasn't I it not really dome, like, shaped though, like know? that? Because wasn't most of that just like the... The cargo? Yeah, it seems like it's yeah. mostly just holding areas for shit. Yeah. It's mostly just a whole bunch of They're ore. They're just carrying and then like a little... She She blew up all that she ore. Good for her. She blew the fuck up. Yeah, it's all gone, scattered. Um, but uh, yeah, between that and also the Weyland yutani logo that you can see on a lot of things is the like circle with the wings thing from ancient Egyptian like r religion and mythology. Because the designers really liked the idea of, like, you know, to symbolically, uh, uh, I, I don't know what the other word that I'm looking for is. Um, the the idea of a corporation taking a very old religious symbol and co-opting it to turn a profit off of it just because it looks neat, mm -hmm. you know, plays into, once again, all the other capitalism themes. Uh, Ron Cobb was very into the notion of, like, humanity kind of getting lost in industrialization and in corporate greed if you uh apparently he has an awful lot of other art a lot of like single panel newspaper comic style stuff that really leans on that idea as well very neat there's never a time when anything because unfortunately as much as i joke about the ancient aliens pyramid battery thing right uh like there's some franchise adjacent properties such as alien versus predator actually do go like the ancient they aliens do, pyramid route they do that and does is there any that never retroactively is like actually um is it or I is, that, is it just kind of like a weird coincidence the, the that they happen to do that at that point that the pyramids are to do with the predator not the alien i think <laughs> Yeah. yeah that's that's like a yeah, but the aliens thing. went there to hunt or the predator went there to hunt the alien it, yeah it's stupid don't worry about it don't yeah, worry it's it's avp is a pretty ridiculous movie <laughs> honestly i think the funniest mm. thing is that while all alien fans are like this is a non-canonical entry into the aliens franchise predator fans are like ride or a die non-insignificant <laughs> a non-insignificant portion of the predator fan base is like no this could be real I love the and concept of the predator. The predator it's lore is a lot the bigger comics than you think. Allowed the aliens yeah, there's there. oh, there's a lot. It's of almost comics. all the comics. Yeah, okay. It's all about Freddy um, Krueger. Am well, I right? That's right. And the reboot. Ridley Finally, Scott somebody has said that. <laughs> oh. Ridley Scott has said that um, Blade Runner and the Alien films share a universe, and so that means ah. Blade Runner, Alien, and Predator and Prometheus, like all. Are in a shared universe, I could which is interesting. I guess I could see Blade Runner and I could totally see Alien. Blade Runner happening during sure. Alien. It just they they don't touch <laughs> uh, it. So like, yeah, maybe that's the state of right. So right wait, now. yeah. Well, but here's my question: I'm in for that. What's the timeline like here, and what does that make Ash? Because uh, like an early replicants replicant. are like, a, yeah, I, I would an think. early replicant. Yeah, that's what probably. I would think. Even though I thought the early replicants were supposed to be. Like the the replicants initially were based off of like the like the chairman of the Wayland Yutani Corporation. Mm -hmm. So like I don't know how exactly that all. Do you like, think Ash looks like the chairman of the? I, 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 I don't make the rules. Wait, Watch Prometheus. Where does Blade Runner take place in? Because this movie twenty forty nine was not. Uh, uh, hey, come on. <laughs> 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 okay, I have one more thing to say before I do Noah's notes. So yeah. let me know if I can say okay. it. So yeah. the Nostromo. <laughs> Uh, is named after a book um, that I looked up. I've not read it. 
Uh, but it's one of those like old um, kind of historical fictions about a fictional country um, in South America that is undergoing revolutions and um, this wealthy English merchant's child who puts a bunch of silver on a ship off the coast of this fictional country. Nostromo is the chosen name of one of the revolutionaries who manages to steal all of that silver. Oh. Um, so, uh, fun facts. Cool. I don't know if that's relevant to the story at all, but it's. I, I was curious, and it, like, there are ships. It's cool. It fits for an offshore or hauling a ship. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. Like off-planet, I guess. Not really offshore. Wow. Well, <laughs> right. It's off Pretty offshore. far offshore. It's very far from the shore. <laughs> it's like if someone in, like, Missouri was like, yeah, I'm offshore. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, I'm going to read Noah's notes. Let's go. Noah says, um... Old spaceships look so good because they were all models. Like, there's real shadows on that and minimal lighting because space is dark as That's shit. Right. Yes. He also says, these hulls look great, too. I can't wait to watch Event Horizon for this podcast. This mm. is me also throwing my hat in the ring for Event Horizon. I love Event oh, Horizon. Yeah. Um, Noah says, imagine being out in space. No aliens ever found. Then suddenly you have this distress signal, and as you walk through the angry fog, you see a ship looming over you, bigger than what you landed in, and distinctly not something you made. Right. Yeah. It's really good shit. Um, Noah says, I love watching two purely vibes-based movies in a row like this. Um, yeah, Seven and yeah. Alien both have such consistent, um, like... I, I would even say Prisoners does too. Just have have such consistent, like well thought out settings and tones, and everything's really cohesive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's up, Jeff? Um, also, I I feel like there is a very strong correlation between this and Seven, where both movies know when to not show you something. Yes, they know when it's better just not despite to showing show you. you a lot. E yeah, even though both of them do show you a good bit, they know the moments to do that and the moments not to. Uh, Noah says, Ayo, space jockey, fly that shit. And then in parentheses, <laughs> he won't, he's dead. Yes. He uh, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> Noah said, Dude, that's sloppy as shit. How are you just going to fall through into the reactive mist like that? Yeah, Kane. Couldn't be me. L. If I saw Noah a reactive says, mist, I would simply not touch it. Noah says, Molecular, molecular acid. Okay, man, just make shit up. <laughs> I only drink molecular water. <laughs> <laughs> Some form of molecular acid eats through the ship. Shut the fuck up. You don't have to specify that it's molecular. Like, it probably is acid. Right? Like, everything's molecular. That's how it should be and fluid. And that's just one of those, like, Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs things, right? Where it's like, yeah, this is 70s sci fi. We're just throwing words out every now and then. No, no. Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs gets worse because know, they realize they the made a mistake parsecs. and then they try the to Kessel justify Run. it. Actually, Noah says, a big black hole there. There's a bunch of black Noah holes. says, <laughs> no, I'm not reading that. That, that opens up too huh? many questions. Noah says, Kane's son. Yes, thank you, Ash. I'm glad you're here to contribute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ash is, even though Ash is an android, he's got a lot of opinions and he's a sassy little bitch i what, love him what was that it was kane's son shut the fuck up that's like stupid little robot that is, <laughs> the, see that's the one thing i can kind of get um that is the 
the line that I could pull all of Michael Fassbender's character's characterization from because that implies some like weird spirituality and and desire for creation Mm. all in that one line that Michael Fassbender's character would portray later on. But I don't think it was meant to, maybe it was, I don't know what really Scott was doing. Anyway, Noah says, um, (laughs) Noah says, I'm, (laughs) I'm not going to read that one either. Noah says, um, my bad. That was Nina has been a lot of notes bypassing some this time, huh? <laughs> really good not things this one. from me. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a good one. No, it's not. I'm not reading okay. that one. I'm sorry, Sigourney, but that's a Hank Hill looking ass is a good note. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't stand. No. I don't stand you insulting Ridley my mother like that. put her in the worst not, pair of underwear on planet no, Earth. No, the underwear are... are <laughs> Okay, the underwear are actually really bad, and I do think they were not flattering um, her, so I'll, I'll I'll go with you on that uh, one. I don't know necessarily that this is true, because I haven't seen it confirmed anywhere, but I have heard it said that she was asked multiple times to pull them up whilst filming, and she refused. Well, yeah, <laughs> because they would have gone right up her ass crack. Yeah, that's you what they wanted. You either show the top or you show full cheek. Yeah. yeah, that's what they wanted. And so, yeah, the Hank Hill looking ass is an act of rebellion, and I support it. Uh, Noah said, Noah did say at one point, I love Jones, big orange cat energy. And that's what I'll leave on because yeah, we didn't talk about Jones, but he really is just the, it's the only thing I can think of that draws a direct parallel between the Nostromo and like sea ships, Mm -hmm. which is that they have a ship's cat and he's just there. I don't know why he's there. I love it for him. But I I also think, I think it's funny because if they did go with Jones as a name from the start, it does is like a more gendered name, and it also implies to me that they were set on an orange cat. Yeah, because an orange cat is a vibe. It is, and also yeah. orange cats are almost always male. That's true. Like it's it's like a ninety yeah. some percent. It's a calico. Yeah, where it's well, like, okay. Yeah. I think by you guys are all neglecting one thing about them choosing Jones as the name for the cat mm. and it being gendered, and that is that they refer to all other characters entirely by their last name so how do we know that yeah. jones isn't just his last name we don't know what <laughs> his first name is that's very true sorry yes um yeah. shipsman jones <laughs> anyway Hi. that's been noah's notes jeff do you want to sign, sign us off uh do you no the, i can do it this has been the casual obsession horror movie podcast the movie horror movie <laughs> podcast where we talk about horror movies thank you for listening with us today i've been your host jeff you can find me on tumblr at what is it you pray for and uh allegedly on letterboxd at the fakest fan uh jackson would you like to uh tell everyone where they can find you yeah uh, you can That's find a, me on yes. tumblr as well it's really the only social media i use and uh, you can find me at turning point usa yeah <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, the further away from the relevance of Turning Point USA we it get, only the gets funnier funny. that is. I, 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 I feel long like for the day when I become the de facto Turning Point USA. You're the real one. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I need... This is the perfect opportunity for me to clarify a joke I made a long-ass time ago that never came to fruition. Um... So when you changed your Tumblr from Jacksonium or whatever it was to Turning Point USA, I created a Tumblr using the name Jacksonium. Nice. And then for like a number of weeks, I was just reblogging and posting every single thing that you posted, <laughs> um, hoping that you would notice. But you never like said yeah, anything. Yeah, I don't know. I don't it. think I did. I didn't notice that. That's a good yeah, one. So but I feel funny. like I get a yeah. lot of like. I usually get notifications, but I don't know why I didn't. 
That's Maybe so not. funny. That's sad. But I wish I had no known one, you. You never said anything. Yeah, I, I genuinely. <laughs> I didn't know. know. Like, I, I was like, I wish I knew because yeah. that's a good one. But yeah, I, I, yeah I genuinely didn't you, get notifications. Yeah, but if you ever want the name back, just okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting for Charlie Kirk to DM me so I can just send him clown emojis or something. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, who else? We got, uh, well, now you know where to find Emma's, Emma's Tumblr. <laughs> I don't use that anymore. No. I haven't used it in a long time. You can um, you can find the podcast on Tumblr, though, at Casual Horror Pod. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that there will be some fun and interesting posts. I already have one bookmarked from Alien. Uh, that I'll yeah. blog over there soon. Nice. Uh, and I'm Emma. You can find me on Twitch and Twitter at Emma Panada. I'm also writing a TTRPG called All the Witches. You can find information about that at allthewitches underscore on twitter.com or at allthewitches on bluesky.com. Uh, Noah? Uh, um, okay. I'm Noah. You can find me as Bubba the Bad, B-U-B-B-A-D-A-B-A-D on uh, Blue Sky, Twitter, and Insta, and Letterboxd, and Tumblr. I'm still on Twitter, but I don't do anything there anymore. I have notifications yeah. turned on when Nina like yeah. tweets, I, and that's what I tune in. This for. is embarrassing for for Twitter, not for me. But I was contacted by a group that I've done art for before, and they're starting to uh, restream their um, TTRPG podcast. And they were like, "Hey, can you give us all the art that you did for it?" And I'm like, "Sure," because um, I guest hosted, a guest DM'd, guest played a couple times, so I've got like a bunch of my own character stuff logged up and they're like, okay, where do we credit you? And I'm like, I didn't even think about Twitter. I was like, here's my Instagram. Here's my Facebook. Here's my, like my, like Twitch. That, that was mm-hmm. all I could think of. Um, so yeah, you can find me at Nina Wolverine on Twitter. Um, I'm still active there. Um, just not as enthusiastically. You can find me at Nina Wolverina on Blue Sky and Instagram as well. Much more active both those places. And then you can find me on Tumblr at Nina Wolverina with a three where the E should be. Uh, and then most importantly, you can find my secret project, which won't be a secret by the time you're hearing about it now. Um, Blood in the Water, a vampire gothic r- horror romance um, mm. will be um, updated on Mondays and Wednesdays in October and into November because there are 15 chapters, which doesn't wrap up very neatly. Um, and you can mm. find that on Tumblr at Blood Water Cereal. Cereal like it happens in a series, right. not like the food. So Why not like the food? I don't know. We'll it's in the 1830s. <laughs> is breakfast cereal a thing? Anyway, um, yeah. Oatmeal. Thank you guys so much for listening this this lovely week. Thank you so much, Jackson, for joining yeah. us to talk Ooh. about this movie. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And we'll see you guys. What are we, oh, we're talking... what are we watching next time? Shit. Fuck. Um, it's Slashtober. Oh, it's Slashtober. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so... What order do we usually I go in? Did we do Halloween, Friday the past, or how? The past Halloween two Friday. years we did. No, Halloween's always last. Oh. No, the past two years we did uh, Friday yeah. first, but the first year we did Halloween Back first. to okay. back, Jeff. Oh, that's right, because Slashtober wow. actually happened in November last, or the first back year. Back to back me. Oh, shit. Okay, so we're doing. Friday the 13th. So the thirteenth four. The final chapter. Next Ooh. week. Emma, Emma, it's this is the really this is the one where it really picks up and gets really <laughs> I don't believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> so jo- it's gonna be another like two or three from me. Probably. Oh, oh yes. the best one obviously. I, I don't think any Friday the thirteenth movie is ever gonna get like a true positive review from you, but like you know, I think this one a touch less.
We get the we'll Jasonator. We'll find out next time. Oh yeah, God. find out next Cash time. Until then. Yeah, bye. <laughs> Woo. Goodbye. Let's do a lot of trash can and trash can. Is this standard fare? Oh yeah. No, we're doing it for you actually. It's for your benefit. Oh, thanks, I'm honored. God, I'm honored. what a long episode. Holy shit.